You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since 1977. TMC, we are on the air, walking like men. Yeah. Yeah. We are posturing with our pickles and peps. That's right. Ooh, that's a lot one of peas. each hand. That's a lot of peas. Ooh. It's a lot of kung fu grip. Yeah. Well, I had one, I had a pickle in one hand and another, <laughs> and another P word in the other hand. <laughs> was, ooh, I set the peps down. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna have to lodge that pickle. That's right, uh, man. <laughs> The paps between the thighs for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, so we are here. The GGTMC with our jackets. When you get GGTMC jackets like the Wanderers, man. Satin. Yes. Yeah, oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be nice. Nice, man. You got to join the Wanderers, man. <laughs> Come on, Joey. <laughs> get a little bit of my jersey going this morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. There's a whole lot of jersey in this, even in. Uh, Unknown Origin has a couple uh, New York accents, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So this week, um, we are covering uh, Of Unknown Origin, <laughs> uh, directed by George P. Cosmatos. Uh, this was selected by, how do you say his name again? Antti? Uh, oh, Antti, yep. Uh, phew, man, I always worry I'm going to say his name wrong. I hope Antti's not on the other end going, those motherfuckers, man, they're butchering my name. <laughs> I know. <laughs> He'll come after us, man, like the Ford and Baldies. That's right. <laughs> hey, we you say we look like pricks with ears, or was it ears with pricks? With pricks. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, the Wonders, selected by the one and only Randy, the, the kind of the father figure of the GGTMC in a way, the and the mayor of Jerky Town. Yeah, the mayor of Jerky Town. That's right. Very good friend of many podcasters, and uh, definitely one of our. Uh, closest friends we've oh, yeah. developed over the uh, years of the show. So I know he's excited to hear us talk about this. He's been wanting us to talk about it for a long time now. So yeah, he's he's rep for this film as long as uh, we've known him, and uh, yeah, it's nice to to have him be pumped for it because he's uh, yeah he's definitely one of the the best people in our community. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he loves this film, man. <laughs> yeah, it might be his favorite film. Uh, it might be. It might be actually. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he was a wanderer. 
I see Randy in a satin jacket, a horror helm one of these years. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see that totally, man. Leave the kid alone. <laughs> <laughs> With a matchstick in his mouth. Yeah. The wooden one. Yeah. I love it. All right. <laughs> Hope that's a matchstick in your mouth. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, not a Pope's nose. That's right. <laughs> All right, so I know you got your newsboy hat on. I got mine on. So uh, what have you watched this past week? I so I had to finish eating a bagel with cream cheese and ran out of milk. I hate when you wake up and there's no milk. I hate when I wake up and my newsboy hat isn't nearby. You know? Is it skew? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, my pea coat. Your pea coat. Nothing but a pea coat, man. And a newsboy hat. That's right. Ooh, That's nothing, but a, nothing but a pea coat would be a little itchy. It would be a very itchy. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not longer because I'd be even itchier. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't be su- super itchy because it only comes down to the navel anyway. But uh, you'd be a little drafty, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> <clears throat> no doubt about that. So this week, I started with uh, my wife's pick for Family Movie Night last week. We haven't watched as many movies with the kids in the past month or so because, wait for it, uh, we're getting ready to move. So yep. let me just think. i got to crumple the chip back. You give me a sec. Okay, there we go. Crumbling. I'm not eating chips for what it's worth. I just <laughs> yeah. threw a bag in the garbage. Yeah. So uh, that'd be gross at 5.20 in the morning, but I've done worse. Uh, <laughs> yes. <clears throat> I had an Oreo before we started, so there you go. Uh, that's okay, man. <laughs> if I had an Oreo nearby, I would have had it too. Yeah, there was one left. I was like, <laughs> that fucker's going down. Yeah, that's it, man. So we watched Tad the Ex- the Lost Explorer, or the Mythalast Explorer. Yeah. It's on Netflix Instant. That 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 Enrique Gatto joint, man. That's right, man. <laughs> That's right. Um, Enrique the Cat. He, uh, this was one that Higgins had uh, seen and had repped for, and I was going to try to squeeze it in. And through serendipity, my wife saw it on there, and we watched it. I believe it's from France. Foreign animation is a bit dodgy of a, a it's a bit of a minefield, but France's animation tends to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't mean necessarily in terms of their animation itself, but just their their it's not as kind of broad stroke and ridiculous. Japan as well has a good track record, but anyway, this one's a, basically an Indiana Jones riff for kids, and uh, it was quite good. I mean, I, I quite enjoyed it for a kids movie. There's a pretty good message and some good characters, some laughs. It's not going to set the world on fire. It's not you can't run with like Toy Story or anything, but right. you could do a lot worse on Instant than Tad the Explorer. It deals with mummies and adventure, and yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, so it's it's a good one. Um, then I decided to shift gears and rewatch uh, something. I, I hooked up uh, Plex on my Samsung phone so I could stream everything I have off my hard drive. Mm. So my wife I finally my the the thing the deal we'd had ran out, so I had to get back to her watching reality TV and me putting on earphones and watching something on the iPad or my phone. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched uh, or rewatched uh, Bruno Mattei's Cop Game. Yeah. With Brent, Brent Huff, which is pretty amazing. It's like uh, at the end of Vietnam and Huff's running around yelling. He's he's doing it. I feel like he's doing... Um, Rip oh, Brown? He's, he's doing Red Blue. Well, actually, I like, I like, uh, I think I like Huff better than... Uh, I'm in the minority. I like Huff better in Mattei films than... I mean, Red really goes for it. Red's got yeah. a better yell. Yeah, yeah, the, Reb, the I Rebel. Think, yeah, I think Reb's got that one uh, performance in a Matei film. Yeah, you know, Reb's kind of. I mean, he's he's good in Robo War too. Reb is, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. Huff's got uh, that. He's got uh, Born to Fight. He's got Strike Man Two. I mean, he's. 
by this point, I'm trying to remember who I who it was. I thought he was really like his performance was really reflective of in Cop Gang now, but it was a, like a big big actor, a big actor. Mm. Anyway, he's sweaty. He's wearing like a Hawaiian shirt, and <laughs> you know, he's he's just uh, he's going for it, man. It's it's good. It's fun. It's Mate. I mean, yeah. that's all there is to say, right? Yeah, I, I love cops that wear Hawaiian shirts. Anyway, that's awesome. You know, it's, it was a lot of Hawaiian shirts this week. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, I'd been really in the mood. I was going to say moves. I was going to say in the moves. Wow. I don't even know what that means. Oh, baby. Uh, I was uh, in the mood for some spaghetti, and I, had to hide, I hadn't seen one in a few, quite a while, it seems. So I checked Netflix Instant. There wasn't a whole lot beyond some of the big titles. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to kind of dig, dig a little deeper, so I threw it up on Facebook, and uh, I asked for a couple deeper cuts that were great that were on YouTube or something. And uh, Yeah, YouTube's got a great spaghetti channel. Oh, yeah, there's lots, man. So I threw uh, Forgotten Pistolero yeah. for Nanabaldi on the uh, on the iPad. And, man, this one's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. Leonard Mann's really good in it. He kind of he looks like he's, he's kind of looks like it's, I never realized how much he looks like Juliano Gemma. Yeah, he really does. And this one with a hat on, right? So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's good. I really liked it. It's, it's different. Uh, the finale's amazing. There's lots of fire. And it's... Uh, <laughs> It's cool, man. It's a real cool one. I wouldn't mind doing it at some point. I, I quite liked it. I'm sure. I'm sure we will. It's one of those ones that, you know, I talk about, or one of those kind of like underseen ones. Uh, the Baldi films. I always kind of push on people when people ask me about Italian directors. Yeah, because he's got a good track record, man. I mean, he made some shit, but he was usually a reliable director. Yeah, very reliable, and and really one of the most underappreciated of the spaghetti western directors. Absolutely, I agree with that 100. percent Um, and then I did one. I think I want to say it's Giovanni Carnameo. I know his last name is Carnameo. Uh, maybe it's Giovanni. Anyway, he did uh, Light the Fuse. Sartana is coming. Yeah. And, uh, uh, was that your first Sartana? It was, man. I always mixed up Sabata and Sartana. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it is Giuliano Carnameo. That's right. But he's a stylist director. Yeah, yeah, Sabata, I've only seen one, maybe two of them. I think one, is it... Um, yeah, yeah, it's Levi and Cleef, and then Yul Brenner are the opposite, right? Yeah, it's the there's three films, and I think two of them are uh, Van Cleef, and one of them is uh, Brenner. Mm-hmm. So someone had asked me if it was my first Sartana, and I said no, I'd seen one, but I'd never seen a Sartana film. I was mixing him up with Sabata. So yeah, man, uh, uh, Johnny Garko is in it, and he's uh, he's the stylish Sartana. Mm-hmm. This is cool, man. It's shot with a lot of flair. I, I liked Pistolero better because I watched them back to back the same night. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Garko's pretty cool, man. He's, yeah. he's impeccably dressed, and someone had said he's kind of like the James Bond of the West, which kind of fits. I'll tell you, this this film has the greatest uh, gun in the history of spaghetti westerns, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, <clears throat> the Sartana character is kind of a fun, kind of gadget based. Yeah, yeah. He's totally gadget based. And I and think uh, Garko played him, like, I think in five or six films, I think. Yeah, Garko, he's another one of those guys that didn't, well, I don't want to say didn't transition well out of spaghettis, but I feel like he had a better look. And he looks, because he's sort of fair-skinned and blonde and stuff, he didn't seem to turn up in a lot of Eurocrime. He turned up in a few, yeah. but he kind of, uh, that was really where he made his money and got his fame was uh, as Sartana. But, man, yeah. what a great title, Light the Fuse, Sartana's Coming. Yeah. There's another one of his, uh, Prepare a <laughs> Coffin for Sartana. I don't know what it's called, but it's, it's some badass titles. Yeah, there are some great titles in the uh, Sartana 
If you meet Sartana, pray for your death. That's the one. That's the one. Man. What a <laughs> fucking great title. Yeah, he's been in some good stuff, and he's been in some absolute garbage. Devilfish comes to mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, but that's, right. Uh, that's Martino, man. Right? Yeah. Uh, no, I think it's Bava. Or no, maybe it's... Uh, I'm, oh. I'm getting ready to look. I'm thinking of... It uh, is. It's Lamberto Bava. I am thinking of the one... That's got Sopkeach in it. Devilfish does. Nice. I'm trying to think of the one. The one of the name I'm thinking of is the cover. They totally mismarket. Island of the Fishmen is the one I'm thinking of. Oh yeah, that's that is Martino. Yeah, yeah I think he made. Right. I think he made two or three Fishmen films. Yeah, I mean, that cover was really notorious when I was a kid. It was like a dude turned inside out, and he had no shirt on, but he has pants on, but the belt was undone. Yeah, <laughs> he was standing there with the co- like on the cover, like with his hands up in the air, kind of screaming and or shouting or I don't know. Yeah, Garko made some uh, pretty good westerns. I think we, I think we covered a film once with Garko in it. I'm pretty sure we might have. I know he he worked with DeLeo once or twice. Yeah, and uh, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I was looking at some of the other titles. Yeah, you got uh, Sartana the Gravedigger. You got uh, first one. Uh, have a good funeral, my friend. Sartana Sartana will pay. Nice. <laughs> this this. Yeah, he pretty much. Uh, I mean, he is synonymous with the uh, Sartana character. So. But he, I always liked his eyes. He had good. He's he's got good he eyes, and uh, yeah, good, good actor, not a great actor. But yes, uh, I would agree with that. Very serviceable spaghetti western actor, kind of like that. Uh, what was that one guy we talked when we did Django the Bastard? What was it? Anthony Steffen? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Reminds that's me of right. him. I think Anthony Steffen did more spaghettis than anybody. Yeah, uh, but and he's perfectly serviceable. But he wasn't. You know, he, I mean, he didn't really have a the punch of uh, of Clint Eastwood or. No, or even uh, Nero, or those kind of guys. No, but no, no. he's second tier for me. Yeah, but but good, good. You know, he's ser- yeah, yeah. certainly serviceable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those these couldn't hang with like the Mount Rushmore <laughs> of the genre. Well, it looks like uh, Garko was in a Rocco Sofredi film called Black Tunnel. <laughs> no, I'm Ooh, I, I, can, I can guess what the Black Tunnel is. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ooh. nice. Um, I did the Expendables two finally. Oh yes. I came home from work, man. I was tired. I just I didn't want to fuck around too much on Netflix and spend forty minutes looking for something and then watch nothing. You know what? That's the perfect film for just fucking around with. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I turned it on. The opening was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's so ridiculous. Like they're like zip lining with one hand, shooting guys. Like but here's the thing. Anyone who expects otherwise, what are you expecting? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Really? It's a it's a fucking summer action film. With tons of stars. It's like an Oceans film for the action set. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's it's fun, man. I, I don't get the complaints. I know people were really trying. Some people really didn't like it. It's like, I, I don't see that. Yeah. I don't see how if you like action films, you won't like this. Yeah. Because there's lots of action. There's lots of guns. There's lots of dick swinging. There's lots of kind of buddy high five moments. <laughs> yeah. You know. Thank God, one character dies early on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's thank God. Yeah, there's some stuff. Uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, you remember when I talked about it? I watched it back when we did our crossover with the Feminine Critique, and yeah. uh, uh, I remember I was totally on board with the fact that I knew it was not a great film. Oh, of course, and it's not, and it's you know, it's not even going to be a favorite action film. But I can tell you, I was smiling at the end of it, and that's all I think you can ask for from that kind of film. Yeah, he gives everybody. A moment. Pretty, yeah, a moment. And, of course, you know, some of them are kind of groan-inducing. The Schwarzenegger moments, not as bad, but, I mean, obviously the one. The Chuck is the worst. Oh, my God. <laughs> those moments are terrible. It's, it's almost like he wanted Chuck just to kind of 
you know, just to kind of have all the big guys in it. And he had to kind of cater to Chuck's or, or indulge his vanity. Yeah. You know. And it would be okay, I think, if Chuck had uh, a little bit more a sense of uh, humbleness. Irony to, yeah. yeah, I mean, there is a Chuck Norris joke in there. Yeah, which is a bit, it's about five years too late, though. <laughs> yeah, almost 10 years too late. Yeah, but that's the thing. These are all like grandpas. Yeah. So they're making grandpa jokes. Yeah. You yeah. can't penalize grandpas for making grandpa jokes <laughs> because point. that's what they're doing. It's a good point. You got a good point but, there. But yeah, they had to get that, and there's some Terminator stuff in there. But I, I was fine with it. I mean, listen, we love these guys, and and that's where they they earned their their gravy. So I don't really fault them for wanting to have a few moments in there for people and for themselves. Yeah. And you know? how did you how did you uh, did you like Van Damme and Atkins? Oh man, they were great. My wife. It's funny. I, I didn't have the heart to keep it. There's sometimes, and I've often thought this, where Atkins looks like Ben Affleck. Hmm. No, no, I totally agree. His chin or something. There's something about his chin or his profile. <laughs> totally. There's, he totally looks like him sometimes. So my wife, there's a scene when he yells at someone early in the film when they get introduced. And my wife goes, oh, my God, he's a bad guy in this. And I knew she meant Affleck because as soon as I, at that very moment, I thought, fuck, he really does look like Affleck. <laughs> so I go, yeah, yeah, I know. Can you believe it? And I didn't have the heart to keep telling you because she would have realized eventually. She's, <laughs> yeah. she's pretty sharp when it comes to that. But it totally looked like Affleck in that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you, I've always said it. I love Terry Crews. I think he's amazing. He can do comedy. He can do action. Yeah. yeah. I love Terry Crews, man. He's so good. Yeah, I love him so too. So good. I love him uh, in bad movies even. I mean, I've seen oh, him in some man. really bad shit like the Sandler, uh, Sadler remake of Sandler remake of uh, Longest Yard. But he's fucking hilarious in it. Playing, he is. Playing Cheeseburger. And, he, <laughs> and he's great too as uh, President Camacho oh, fuck. in Idiocracy. Yeah, he's he's he, he's always... He's one of those actors who, when he shows up, he makes a movie like just that much better. I mean, he's just one of those guys. And he's great because he really hulks out a few times in the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he's, he he's a specimen. He is. It's such a shame that he's older now. And, you know, thankfully, a film like this gives him a chance to shine because yeah. otherwise, you know, he kind of gets bad comedies and a few other things. He's, well, he's, he's on uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine with Andy Samberg. And, it, you know, I watched that whole series this year. And it's, it's a good show. It's It's a little bit like The Office with cops and. It's oh, very nice. it's very silly, but uh, he is very good on the show. He is uh, he's hilarious. I love how he always calls himself Terry. Terry don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Now, another thing I got to give credit where it's due is um, the actress who plays Maggie, right? Because I had to get a female in the film. She's Chinese, yeah. mainland Chinese actress Nan Yu. I had seen her in a film with Simon Yim that was pretty interesting called uh, Design of Death a few years ago, maybe last year. It's an interesting film. To be sure, but she's uh, she had done sp uh, Speed Racer as well. She plays it. She's one of the, the chicks in that. But uh, she, I got to give it up to her, man. I think she's amazing in the film. Like she totally holds her own with the guy. She's got like a steely, uh, calm demeanor. Like she she doesn't she doesn't take any shit, but she's not overcompensating. And a lot of times in these kind of films, the female character they write her as having to overcompensate. But mm -hmm. I think she's great in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah she is. No, for an actress to be around those kind of titans and not even blink. Yeah, and, and most everybody's good in the films. I mean, it. it even Couture is better in this one than the last one. Yeah, yeah, he and he's not great, but no, he's not great. You know, but, he seems more comfortable in front of the camera now. Yeah, he does a little bit more, definitely in this one. But yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it, man. I'm, I'm glad you uh, liked it. I mean, like oh, I said, yeah. it's not a earth shatterer, but it is what it is. Now I'll say this, and I, this watching this made me think. I really, at some point. The first three, I would be confident that you probably won't care for. 
But I can tell you, if you like these films, the Fast and the Furious films are better. Oh, like yeah. Four, I, four, five, six, I can promise you, you would like. I'm, I'm probably. Action films. Uh, at some point, you know, I'm going to watch those Fast and Furious films. I can tell you, they're a better, like, they're perfect, like, perfect summer fair, man. They're so, you know, like, these are great. I mean, but a lot, a lot of this ties, ties into the fact that it's our our childhood heroes you know, yeah. altogether. And there's some fun inherently just in that, mm-hmm. you know, but, but fast and the furious, I think does it even better. I'm looking forward to expendables three. I watched the trailer. I am too, this man. Week, man. And I'm looking forward to it. It looks, it yeah. looks fun and goofy and, you know, it looks like everybody's having a good time. I think the trailer they released, everybody's kind of laughing and having a good time. And I think uh, they always, always cut the trailers with it, with us showing, showing us how good of a time they're having, but it's true. And we have a good time watching them have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the, it's like Sinatra's Rat Pack, right? It's like, that's totally what it is. Yeah. Man. It's Ocean. like Stallone's Rat Pack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's great, man. Um, then I did, uh, the latest Sion Sono film. Why don't you play in hell? Oh, yeah. Which I'd meant to see before we did our cram gym, but it just it's, wasn't out there. Is it um, less than uh, four hours long? This one? It's only it's it's a lean two hours and ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that is lean for Sono, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's 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 great. It's a great film. It'll nice. be on my top thirty. Nice. Um, I think it'll have to sit with me and process a little bit more. But I really like what he did. I smiled a lot. There's a lot of great moments in the film. Kind of his love letter, I think, to film his country's film culture and his country's culture in film and some of the cliches and and expectations of genre and culture and how they all kind of mix together it's quite good nice quite good it's 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 insane there's so much blood in this film and it's weird because he he uses digital blood but it's almost like intentionally he went with i don't know how to describe other than to say like a roger rabbit-esque blood yeah, like I feel like the blood in this would you'd see in like a Roger Rabbit film. It's very thick. They don't try to make it really like uh, watery. Like it's very thick and digital. Nice. Yeah, so it's uh, it doesn't always work because it doesn't have as the visceral punch of like you know uh, squibs, but it, it's okay. You know, uh, but great, really, really good film. And then I finished the week with one I'd, I can't remember I'd read about it, but um, it felt to me like it was going to be like a David Gordon Green or Malick film, and that. But it's always enough for me to to want to see something, and it's called Hide Your Smiling Faces. Uh, came out this year. About two brothers, they experience uh, a tragedy in their small town. Um, you know, just how that how they deal with that. Uh, the film make the film is definitely flawed. I don't think the director is poetic or lyrical enough. Like a like a I feel like this this kind of is similar to um, George Washington, but it's it's definitely not as good. Um, it is good though. It, you, this is this is a guy to keep an eye on because he shoots a lot of quiet moments and shoots small towns like a Jeff Nichols and you know. But I just don't think he's quite doesn't have quite the visual flair or um, ability to still tell a story clearly like those guys. But but still a, a good film worth a watch. Like six and a half, maybe seven territory. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, so that or mud, you know, kind of like that sort of thing, coming of age a little bit, but you know, it's worth a watch. Hmm. All right, never even heard of that one. So nice, total shem film. I even said, I even thought that when I was watching it, and of course, when I checked in, he goes, "Oh, I've never heard of this." I'm like, "Dude, I totally thought of you." Yeah, <laughs> it's a shimpy. Yeah. All right, so that's everything, huh? Yeah, that's it, man. All right, nice. I only watched a couple things this week. Had a busy week uh, with spring break. 
for the kids here in the uh, spring states. Uh, spring break. So me and my little riffraff were uh, home a lot this week. So not a lot of time to cram films and not a lot of time for sleep, unfortunately. <laughs> One of those kind of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Added a few more gray hairs to the collection. <laughs> uh, yeah, I bet I got a couple of gray hairs in my in my beard now, man. Oh yeah, welcome to the club. It'll, it'll yeah. only get worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll take the gray over the thin. So hopefully, oh brother, you and me both, you and me so both. Hopefully, See, I'm getting gray. I'm like, listen, I don't want to lose my hair, so I would take gray every day of the week. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, not to say that it's anything wrong with it. I mean, if you lose your hair, I, w- I want to lose mine gracefully. I do. I don't want. I don't want to lose mine ever. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, but I mean, if I have to lose it, I'd like to lose it, you know, <clears throat> gracefully and stuff. But I'm not one of those guys. I don't. I'm, I'm not going to go out and get buy a piece or no, anything no. like that, you know, because the spray hair. There is. There, yeah, there is something kind of I think uh, noble about accepting. You know, I'm not going to do the uh, John Travolta or the uh, Stallone or the, uh, geez, uh, the, oh man, the worst one is the Chuck Norris. I think the Norris is the worst one. The Travolta is the worst. Oh, the Travolta is bad because it, oh, I so think the bad, bad thing about his is, and actually he looks better without it. I wish he just would not do it, but you know, Hollywood, man, Hollyweird. It is what it is. It totally is, man. A lot of roadkill up on that, on, that, <sighs> yeah. on that head, man, on that melon. I hate when he wears like uh like he'll show up at an award show and he's got like that really, like that uh, really shortcut one he wears, and then he'll show up like at another award show like two or three weeks later and he's got like the like the swordfish one, like the the kind of floppy one with like the highlights. Floppy bangs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Who was it? I think Chris Davies Rowan, our 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 man, one half of the cult of nut muscle. He posted this great article where it said uh, Travolta's got. Like a whole wing or a whole room yeah. in his house that's a temperature controlled <laughs> something or other room of wigs. Yeah, I could see that. I could it's see amazing. That. I wouldn't be surprised by that in Hollywood. I've seen Stranger sure, Things in Hollywood. That. Yeah. I'm sure there's Stranger Things going on in Hollywood. Anyway, I uh, only watched a couple of films, both of them documentaries. Go figure. Uh, how to Make uh, Money Selling Drugs. Ooh, a little coughed nice. up there. Um, this is a funny, it, not a funny film, but it's a weird film. But it, it basically is almost like a, you know, I mean, it literally is a how-to. And um, was this Vice? Uh, no, no, no. But it feels like that because I've yeah. seen a Vice one. It has a very similar title. Yeah, and um, it feels like that in a lot of ways. But I think you know what you come away from it with is realizing that uh, they're yeah they're never going to get rid of drugs. It's just impossible. It's 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 too prevalent and. Um, some of the things that have happened with the drug uh, trade, uh, the drug trade itself hasn't really changed much, but the way law enforcement handles it has changed over the years. And uh, I don't want to give it away because I think it's the most interesting parts of this documentary for those who want to watch it. Um, but it's just, it's interesting how certain agencies have become corrupted by not the drugs themselves, but by the, the promise Let's just say the promise of funding to make drug arrest. And, you know, then it gets into stats. You know, America is the only country. It's got, you know, we got 25% of our people locked up. 
25% of our, yeah, of our people are locked in prison. Oh my God. That's yeah. are you sure? That seems like an insane, insane number. I don't, I'm not positive about that. Maybe, maybe I was, maybe it was 25% of something else, but I think maybe I might 25% be right. of, uh, ethnic maybe, minorities. Maybe something. it was 25% of all arrest or drug arrest. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Either way, it was a, a, a gross, like or, grossly, or maybe it was 25% of all prisoners are in prison for drugs. Okay. Okay. But either that, way, it, that might no matter what, like, it's a staggering number for something. Yeah. Well, we're, we're still insane. the we're still the you know our country is still the leading country for imprisoning people. Man, uh, there's no doubt about that. And uh, of course, you find out you know why. Remember, I told you about that one the house I live in that one documentary yeah. about how prisons make money, and you know you build prisons and stuff. Well, not only that, but the the local precincts and cops and everything else. The more drug arrests they make, the more money they make. Uh, that's the way that works. They get more funding the more drug arrests they make. So can no one can no one see the conflict of interest here? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, geez, come on! It's insane. It's insane that we've let it get to this point. It's really insane because you know, as bad as drugs are, they are they are they are a problem, an addiction. They are an issue there. They are not. In my opinion, you, and this is just my opinion, but you don't lock people up because they have a, a, a problem. You lock people up because they do something awful. And having a problem with drugs, it doesn't necessarily make you an awful person. No, I know. I, know. It's, it's, I, I, I mean, I'm not as sympathetic as some, but I'm certainly I'm not like lock them up, throw away the key. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's terrible, man. you got to help people that have problems. Yeah, there's people. How are you jail. helping them? There's people in jail for 20 and 30 <clears throat> years, man, for <laughs> fucking... Just the littlest thing. It's insane. It's insane. Just ridiculous. Strange, strange culture that's created. But uh, yeah, definitely check it out. It's it won't make a top thirty list or a best of or anything like that because I don't really, I don't really love the way it's made. But I do find it uh, interesting material to say the least. Uh, and then I watched uh, Thirty for Thirty. A new one came out uh, this past week or a couple weeks ago. Requiem for the Big East. Uh, the Big East of uh, basketball conference in CAA. Um, Man, I can't wait to see this. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good. One. It's a uh, it's a two hour feature length one, and uh, it's good stuff. It's uh, it goes into kind of the ideas behind the Big East and and what it generated and what happened, and then it it, it like everything. It kind of goes into how they kind of lost control of it, <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I don't want to give any of it away. It's 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 good. It's really good, and uh, it's one of the better ones I've seen lately. So definitely check it out, and I know you'll like it especially. Uh, oh man, yeah, I grew up with Big East basketball. Did they show the Keith Smart fucking jump shot? No, they didn't show that. They didn't show. That. <laughs> Thank God, I won't get my heart broken again. Yeah, they did show. Who's that one guy that played for Syracuse that was so GGTMC? The Italian guy. Oh well, oh, oh fuck, uh, Jason. Uh, uh, he was a big guy. He was a center. I can't remember. His trying name. to think, man. I can't remember. Uh, Ah, I'll, I'll, it'll, it'll come to me. Um, but uh, they did show a lot of the highlights you do, you are aware of. Oh yeah, is Chris Mullen interviewed in it? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Him and his uh, New York New accent. York accent, man, so thick. <laughs> yeah, he can't shake it. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. That's outstanding. Uh, Louis Carnesecca is uh, interviewed in it. Oh, the nice. HD cameras. Wasn't do he, him wasn't no he Villanova? Uh, St. John's. St. John, that's right. I'm sorry. Forgive me. That's right. That's John. right. PJ. It was Seton Hall. See, I forgot about Seton Hall basketball yeah. too, man. Yeah, PJ Carlissimo. Yeah, and then uh, John Thompson's in there. Of course, yeah. Jimmy Bayham's in there, of course. And yeah, my my guy. Yep. It's so, so funny. 
to hear. I don't want to speak about it too, speak about it too long here, but uh, what's his, I can't remember his first name, but the player for Georgetown, Boomche Boomche is his last name. Oh, yeah, yeah. My favorite last name in the history of sports, man. Boomche yeah. Boomche. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, he, uh, Georgetown had a lot of... Uh, they had a lot, lot of, of incredible names. <laughs> they did have some great names. Thompson could really recruit some uh, these... these uh, uh, playground players sometimes these yeah these a lot guys, of African players too yeah a lot of these guys that would just come off the yeah yeah he he, he would bring in uh, what Matumbo was a Georgetown player and yeah that's right man they had a run where it went like uh, I can't remember who it was but it went like Ewing someone Matumbo they had a run where they had like an insane run of centers through like that decade or that because I know Ewing was eighty five when he had drafted Matumbo was I want to say was playing Georgetown eighty eighty nine ninety somewhere in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so they, yeah, they had a run, man. Of yeah, centers. they had Alonzo Mourning the next oh, Zoe, yeah, Zoe was in there, yeah. right? So, yeah, I think it was, those were the three. Those were the three back-to-back-to-back. or Not back-to-back, but within a decade, they had three, like, potentially Hall of Fame centers, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ewing That's was ridiculous. You know, Ewing was a uh, college basketball game-changer. Oh, he was. And, well, in fact, that's where they got into that whole uh, – that that rumor <laughs> about the frozen ping-pong ball yeah. for the Knicks in the lottery. Yep, yep, exactly. So, yeah, cool so, man! I can't wait to watch that. Yeah, definitely check it out. You'll like it. Uh, okay, so uh, we're gonna take a short break. Which one do you want to talk about first when we come back? I'm trying to find that that uh, Syracuse player I'm looking for. Oh, which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, yeah. do let's some... do uh, let's do Wanderers first. All right, we'll come back and walk like men. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be back right after this. The following message is a paid advertisement for the Cult of Muscle podcast. The Cult of Muscle. You're either in it or you're dead. It's the dawning of a new age. The halls of Valhalla have been shuttered. The heroes of yore have either retreated to the shadows or taken the capo for the amusement of the small folk. Their past glory is a distant memory. The barbells have been torn from their once puma-strong grips. The beards shone from their square jaws, only to be transplanted onto flannel-clad, puny weaklings with fingers barely powerful enough to strum a ukulele. The time has come, my brothers, to restore order from the chaos. No longer will our heroes be forgotten. No longer will their great deeds be viewed through a foggy lens of irony. Hear now our rallying cry as we scream it from the mountaintops, as we bellow it from iTunes and Libsyn and Facebook. It's time to join the cult, my brothers. So don your cloaks and enter the cult of muscle. Even know my name, they call me the wanderer. 
the Wanderers. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite uh, songs, actually. Uh, yeah, I love it, man. And uh, it is my dad's favorite song ever. Yeah, Dion. <clears throat> Dion was great, man. Uh, yeah. That and uh, what was it Run Around Sue? That was another one I fucking love. Yeah, that's this film is chock full of like just essential music from the period. Yeah, from the period exactly. And it really evokes it well, right? Mm-hmm. It does. It does. Um, I, I love the way it uses, it, as a matter of fact, because it, it uses it in this innocent way. We'll, we'll get into that. And uh, man, uh, not, not not even thinking about uh, if we finally found out, figured out who the, we were talking about with that Syracuse Ronnie Cycli. Not even thinking the fact that he could have been a wanderer, man. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> a little bit upstate, but he was there, man. <laughs> yeah, and he looks, uh, he looks like he could be Ken Wall's brother or something, you know. <laughs> totally, man. <laughs> you know, he's he's got a an absolutely gorgeous girlfriend. You know, Elsa Benitez. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's dude. He's dating her, man. Nice. <laughs> he's what? a DJ now. Life is good when you're Ronnie Cycli these days, man. Yeah, good old Ronnie. Jeez. Well, he's I about see. fifty, but he's pulling in. Look, oh man. I see you, you know posting what? pictures of fucking Dwayne Shinses and shit. Dude, I haven't thought I haven't thought about him <laughs> in years. He had the greatest fucking mullet of all time. I, I was looking for pictures of Cycli, Lee, and the Dwayne Shinsius pulling on a rebound hoops card came up. So I had to post it on your wall, man. Let me put. I'm, I'm going to put a photo right now. I, I know this makes for great podcasting, but I'm going to put a photo of uh, of Ronnie <laughs> on your wall, man. It's it's this is. Tim DJing at the Burning Man Festival. Nice. Wait till you see this. It's coming up right now. It's uh, it's really outstanding. Here it comes. Then we can get into some wanderers. <laughs> yeah. Waiting for the update. Here we go. Click. This is the modern era. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's how it's done, man. On the ones and twos. <laughs> Fucking. He looks like a, a like a long lost Stallone brother. <laughs> Tell me he doesn't look like oh like God. the best of Frank and Slav put together. He totally does, man. He totally does. He like oh a my God. Coat, a leopard print fucking thing. He's got like some. He's got a fucking weird. like I don't know what the fuck is like. Is that like a goose feather hat? What kind of hat is that? Yeah, I don't know what that is, man. <laughs> I don't know. It's his fur line. He's got leopard print trim on his velour jacket. And he's got like some satin kind of uh, champagne colored pants with like I don't know what's going on. There's there. some camo in there in those pants. Champagne, yeah, champagne camo, camo, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's rocking a big old pink uh, rings like one of those candy rings. I don't know yeah. what's going on. <laughs> he's got a wheels of steel. Nice. Well, yeah, he's got the wheels of steel going. <laughs> Ronnie, baby. That's right, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, he is so GGTMC. Outstanding, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so if anybody wants to see that, just go to my page and you'll see Ronnie. Surprised Ronnie never chipped any teeth, man. Pulled down rebound, rebounds with those gold chains on. It's looking to me like Ronnie may have had some teeth there. Those are some pretty white teeth with that goose feather hat there. He may have had yeah. those replaced. True. I bet that guy can grow a mean beard. Oh, yeah. But he's too vain. He'll never grow a beard. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So we'll get into the Wanderers here. So the Wanderers from 1979, uh, the magical year of 79, since one nice. of our one of our GGTMC years on this show right here was born that year. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, what, what do you got? Just say same year as the Warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 79 was an interesting year. It, it seems like there was a lot of uh, these these street gang films. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was one of them. And uh, this is a cable favorite for me. So, uh, okay, so I'll give you a basic plot synopsis. Uh, I guess I'll let you lead on this one here. Sure. Uh, Set against the urban jungle of 1963 New York's gangland subculture, this coming-of-age teenage movie is set around the Italian gang, The Wanderers. Slight comedy, slight high school angst, and every bit entertaining with its classic 50s rock and roll soundtrack. Okay, that was a terrible synopsis, but whatever. 
Um, so, Randy, Randy's been pushing this film on us for a long time. I've seen it before. Is this the first time you've ever watched this first time? No. Oh, okay, you've seen it before. I'd, okay. I'd seen it uh, at least once, maybe twice, because it's a favorite of my dad's, because my dad was a greaser growing up. Oh, yeah, nice, nice, nice. This is right when he would have been, well, he's born in 1950, so mm, okay. he was a little bit younger than these guys, but he he really, you know, loved this lifestyle. Yeah, so that that year, 79, was uh, Walk Proud, The Warriors, Boulevard Nights, and The Wanderers. And uh, What I've, year was Lords of Flatbush? Do you know? Because I always uh, mix those two up. That was a little earlier, I believe. I think so, too, about 77, 76. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think so. But uh, I know uh, Walk Proud, I believe that's Robbie Benson. Uh, it's a Robbie Benson joint. Uh, and I know, I can't remember. I'm going to click on Boulevard Nights here. Let me see. I can't remember who that was. That was, uh, oh, that was Richard Yaniguez, who I thought was, they were trying to make him a big star. I remember that, Richard Yaniguez, and they kind of pushed him, but he didn't really. But both of those films are Chicano, Chicano related, Chicano nice. gangs. So, uh, yeah, we might, we might, they're pretty GGTMC. I know Boulevard Nights is. We might cover those at some point. I'm sure we I, probably will at some point. And of course, I don't The Warriors. Know that I've actually seen either one of them. Yeah, the Warriors, of course, is a. This is a film that we just have not tackled yet. It's just one of those things. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen Boulevard Nights. And what was the other one? Uh, Walk Proud. Oh, yeah, Walk Proud. I'm pretty sure I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, man. That's crazy. That four uh, four uh, films all in the uh, gang films. All Yeah, I've never seen Walk Proud either. Yep. I don't think I have anyway. Well, check them out at some point in time. Yeah. It'd be fun. Um, so, without further ado, let's let it get, let's get into it. Okay, nice. Yeah, so, um, yeah, this film, I think, is a film that when it was made, 79, this would have been about the time when guys who grew up in this era were deeply entrenched in parenthood and kind of had changed their ways, I would imagine. You mm-hmm. figure this was 63, you give them 16 years, they're like, you know, a little bit younger than us now, early 30s. I'm, you know, I'd say I'm, yeah, I mean, you were right in and around where these guys are age-wise. Right. Guys that used to be neighborhood guys and, you know, it's, uh, so it's, it's, it would be perfect timing because it was very nostalgic for them uh, to look back at their youth and um, it's, uh, it's got the uh, Orion logo to open up, which is always nice for people of our generation to see. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Every time I see it, though, I think of RoboCop first. Is it, yeah, I, yeah. Am I, the only, I don't. I always wonder if I'm the only one that thinks that, but it's always the first thing that pops in my head is RoboCop. No, I'm with you 100%, man. 100%. Uh, and it opens up with Porky Pig and Looney Tunes being watched as uh, as uh, the Waller. <laughs> no, well, not the Waller, but Ken Wall is uh, he's, he's making sweet love to his lady. And he's got a mullet in his uh, IMDb photo. And Ken Wall, a uh, very interesting guy. He, uh, they really gave him a push. I think this is his film debut, and uh, they really tried to give him a push for stardom. And uh, yeah, he does have a mullet. He, he's got a look. And uh, I remember he was going to that one film we were going to cover at one point in time. Taking of Beverly Hills. Oh, the Fort Apache, the Bronx. We'll cover oh, that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely cover the Taking of Fort Beverly Hills one day, <laughs> uh, where he plays a character named Boomer Hayes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they really pushed him and stuff. And then he kind of, I don't know why, he was big with uh, the Wise Guy TV show. Yeah, that um, was a big thing for him, man. Yeah, and then I think he got hooked bad on painkillers and alcohol. And, uh, oh, man. And he married one of the Barbie twins. This is a total disaster but behind oh, the scenes. Fuck. So He's one of ten children. Can you believe that? 
No, I can't believe that. But uh, is he? Is he? Is Wall? Is he? Oh yeah, no, he's full blooded Italian. Okay. Oh I see, yeah. I see his real name now. Yeah. Yeah. How do you go from Anthony Calzaretta to Ken Wall? <laughs> uh, it says it somewhere in there. He was paying tribute to something or other, but he had a motorcycle accident, life-threatening neck injuries, and battled yeah. addiction. So it looks like. Um, He's still married to Shane Barbie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I got to give it up to him for that. At least, you know, it wasn't uh, yeah. wasn't one of those. But it's too bad. It's almost like a Busey thing where bad accident, uh, access to painkillers kind of derailed him. That's too bad, man. Because I think he, you know who I always lump him in with? Um, because I feel like they're East Coast kind of guys that were, were handsome but ruggedly so and could kind of appeal to men and women but never quite got over the top. Like I think maybe if you were in that era, you would have thought they would have was uh, Michael Perret. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I always kind of lumped those two in together because they were kind of working around the same time. When Wall was a little bit ahead of Parade, but, you know. Well, they, were, of, they uh, were both getting the push, too, right? Parade they were was getting, getting the push. push Beefcake-y kind of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, European-y guys and, you know. Yeah, because they really gave Wall a push. I mean, he went from this to uh, working with Paul Newman. He worked with Paul Newman two years later yeah. at Fort Apache, the Bronx, and and he worked with some big people. I mean, he did. And Wise Guy was a pretty popular show. I know my mom really loved Wise Guy, where he played a character named Vinny Terranova, which is one of those great ty- uh, character names. Uh, yeah. My wife and my wife. Oh, for you said my mom <laughs> loved Wise Guy, too. I remember her watching. I remember that opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he had a moment. And uh, unfortunately, though, you know, he kind of got, you know, sidetracked. Born on Halloween. I'm seeing that. Yeah. He's only one year younger than my mother. Wow. I didn't think he was that old. Jesus. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. Okay, sorry. Got sidetracked on the Ken Wall joint. Oh, oh, that's who the wall talk. But but Wall's, I mean, he's the guy in this film, right? And um, so it opens with that. And it's one of those things, too, to digress. My kids don't really have a whole lot of concept as far as, like, Porky Pig and Looney Tunes. Like, they know who Bugs Bunny is. But it's crazy. Our generation, Looney Tunes is so entrenched in our youth. Yes. And it's going to be such, like, a, a fringe thing for our kids unless we actively kind of push it on them, which is crazy because it just seems like it just looms so large over ours. Like, Yosemite Sam and my favorite Foghorn Leghorn and you know all these guys we grew up with Elmer Fudd like my kids don't really know who Elmer Fudd is yeah yeah I mean it's obviously it's you know the political incorrectness of uh of Looney Tunes both Looney Tunes even Yosemite Sam and Elmer Fudd both of them man they're they're toting guns everywhere yeah they're shooting people all the violence I mean mean, they're shooting people in the face I mean (laughs) shooting people in the face I always think of uh, Daffy Duck getting shot in the bill and then shaking the buckshot out of his out of his uh, right. bill, man. Even that it's tame as people are getting smashed with rolling pins and yeah. I mean, it was as, it was hyper violent and silly, but it was all innocent, right? But I mean, it's just totally. times change, and people don't want their kids to see that, which you can say is kind of a shame, and it is in a way. But you know, I can see why people yeah pushed it uh, away. I mean, obviously. I don't think that led to people doing drive-by shootings, but... No, no. I'll show my kids uh, the cartoons at some point. It is I, amazing, though, when you watch them now, you're like, holy shit, can you believe they let us watch this stuff? <laughs> people, yeah, it's like the, the anvil, the safe getting dropped on someone, and yeah. getting like Char- everything you can ca- imagine. Characters rolling cigarettes and smoking them. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, but even Bugs Bunny. Yeah, I know. Bugs Bunny is, is cross-dressing all the time, which, you know, I don't care, but it's just, it was such a different time. Yeah. Because he would put his ears down and make it into like hair, I think. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he put lipstick on. Put lipstick on, and you know, it was great, man. My, my wife still calls me Pepe Le Pew. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah. but yeah, but anyway, uh, we see that, and we see, man, he's making promises when he's 
when he's with her, man. And it's like, I had to laugh because at that age, man, you'll promise a girl anything. Oh, yeah. And at that moment, you'll at promise moment, the world. Yeah. You would sign your life away in that moment. Yeah, because your you're teenage libido is... <sighs> You just, you just want. To, let me just put the tip in. You know, I've talked about this before. <laughs> yeah. Just the tip, baby. Yeah, we have talked about that, but we haven't talked about that with each other. So. No, no. <laughs> let's make sure we clarify. Yeah, let's clarify exactly. We we have joked around in the past, but we yeah, we've discussed in our youth. Yeah, we're not playing any uh, duck. We're not doing any ducky boy talking. <laughs> yeah, we got to get the ducky boys, man. They're a strange group. Uh, um, but yeah, so the film opens up and. We see kind of like the. Uh, it's funny because the the really prominent lar- one of the prominent large numbered gangs in this, the Baldies, the Baldies. This is the same year as, but I mean the Baldies, and then in the Warriors you have the Turnbull ACs. Yeah, yeah. So it's crazy. You got these two kind of skinhead gangs. I mean, they're not white supremacist skinheads; they're just bald. Yeah, the uh, both gangs have uh, African American members. Yeah, yeah. The Baldies are in this. They're which I didn't really pay attention to when I watched it when I was younger. Was the Fordham Baldies? So I guess that's Fordham, New Jersey. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the University. That's where where the great Vince Lombardi played. Yeah, college football. You know, the Ducky Boys is actually a uh, uh, was a real gang. Were they really purported Irish gang? Yeah, you couldn't be a member if you were over five six. Seriously, yeah, in the sixties, Tom Cruise would have ruled the Ducky Boys. They were notorious in the area of the Duck Pond, Twin Lakes, and botanical and botanical gardens between the sixties and the fading out in seventy two. Uh well, that's probably because they didn't let anyone in over five six, and they got taken over, man. Yeah, five six. What a ridiculous, what a ridiculous uh, prerequisite. Hey, evidently, you have to be Irish and under five six. Yeah, evidently, Ace Freely. Kiss guitarist was actually a ducky boy. <laughs> no way. Oh fuck. I didn't know. I had no idea. That's what I he, look he, ducky he boys, huh? He's claiming he was a ducky boy. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of musicians <laughs> and actors who claim a lot of shit. Gang gang ties. Here's also a thing for many Bronxites, because they're they were in the Bronx, the Ducky Gang was one of those mythical gangs that many people heard of but rarely saw. They have been called the boogeymen of the Bronx. So that would explain why the ducky men are played uh, the ducky men, the ducky boys. <laughs> Somehow, ducky men sounds worse than ducky boys. Uh, well, didn't Ace freely? Didn't he? Didn't get that band off the ground? Ace and the ducky men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the ducky men and the tip. The yeah. uh, the uh, that would explain why Kaufman portrays them the way they do because they are very mythical in the film. They are, and uh, what's great is they're shot. Um, the way they're shot in this film. Is like Fulci shooting a Polanski film. <laughs> That's how they, they, yeah. their scenes feel to me. It's, yeah. It wouldn't have been out of place to see like a barbarian with a bone nunchucks coming <laughs> through the fog, jumping into frame from like a like a step up ladder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shit. The Ducky Boys are so strange, man. This film, I tell you, it, I feel like this film, um, it, it kind of you can kind of roll it in as like a love child of something like The Warriors, but also. Films like American Graffiti and Diner that that really capture that era. And in fact, even the Ken Wall role to me feels like it could have been Mickey Rourke. Oh, yeah, totally. Of totally, that age? Totally, totally. Yeah, it totally feels like that. And I have to think, this is this film I got a DVD release, but it didn't get a Blu-ray release, I don't believe. No, right? no it, I don't think it did. Uh, it has a commentary, too, from Kaufman, which I've never listened to on the DVD, which uh, after watching it, I actually rented this through Netflix. I, I don't own this. I think I'm going to... I think I'm going to buy it's a this. Buy, I yeah, think. I think I'm going to buy this because, you know, this is a film that I like to revisit because it yeah. it, it plays that, 
It played well. It it well. I'll get into it. I won't. I won't. I don't want to ruin the review. So I'll get into it in a little bit. I know. I think I know where you're going, and I do want to say before we, you know, don't get around to it. It's got a good, fun cast of people that, in fact, other than Karen Allen, who probably went over the biggest. There's a few guys in here who almost made it or kind of worked on the fringes, like um, Perry uh, Tony Ganios. You know, he was in the Porky's films, and you know, he actually he was in uh, he was in Body Rock. Man, he played Big Mac, so he's been on our show before. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. He was in Body Rock. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think he's Greek, uh, Tony Ganios. Anyway, Linda Manns, the great Linda Manns, who's been on our show a couple of times, at least once before. Really great New York actress who didn't work as much as she should have, mm-hmm. um, which is yeah. unfortunate because she, uh, she, she's really great. Um, but <clears throat> Philip Kaufman. Yeah, Philip. Well, there's uh, Michael Wright, too, who plays Clinton. He, he did a lot of uh, genre stuff in the early 80s. Uh, he was in uh, The Principal. He was in The Five Heartbeats in 91. But oh, he, yeah. he he's a he's a good actor. He was on Oz for uh, quite some time, and uh, he he's a good actor too. But he did a lot of the uh, like like I said, he was on uh, uh, he did some of that. Oh, shit. I'm just messing up completely here. But this was his debut as well. But he was in a lot of films I watched uh, growing up uh, as well. And he's still working. He's still working. Uh, Michael uh, Wright is. Got, he's definitely yeah. got a look and a, and a delivery, a line delivery. He's got a good line delivery the way he talks. Yeah, no, definitely, man, definitely. Uh, but but Philip Kaufman's a director that doesn't probably get enough acclaim. In fact, both of our films this week are by directors who don't get enough love, I feel like. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree with you. People, they, they dismiss Cosmatos, but <clears throat> I guess it's up for debate how much directing he did on some of his films, but I'm going to assume he did most of it, uh, you know, and I like a fair amount of his films. But looking at Kaufman's filmography, you know, you got The Great Northfield, Minnesota Raid, White Dawn, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is one of the best science fiction films of the era. Yes. And one of the best remakes ever. Yeah. In fact, I, I feel that it surpasses the original. Yeah. I like it more um, than the original as well. The Wanderers are right stuff, which I've never seen. I know a lot of people love. Mm-hmm. Um, the Unbearable Lightness of Being, Henry and June. Rising Sun, which eh, kind of unfortunately falls into that thing of white boys doing Japanese. It's kind of, it's silly, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. But a film that I quite like that he did is Quills. Yeah, Quills is good. Rush. That's a really – a lot of people talk about that film's fucking fantastic. Quills and you good. look back at the cast, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Rush, Kate Winslet, Joaquin Phoenix, Michael Caine. Uh, Stephen Moyer. I mean, that's a good cast. It's yeah. a good film. I can rep for the unbearable lightness of being too. That's a great film. Yeah, that's when I remember from being a kid. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't quite old enough to see. But again, your headline by Juliet Binoche and Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, he also wrote. Uh, Kaufman also wrote the Outlaw Josie Wales and uh, worked on the Indiana Jones films. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I mean, this is a guy that never has really got his due. Uh, I think as far as his contributions, but but this is this film. You know, he directs and. He brings a lot of fun. This film, I think more than anything, is the kind of film that this isn't a perfect film because I think there's a lot of stuff that they kind of skirt around or they, they just kind of. Well, I think the tone's a little odd. The tone's a bit odd, but it's it's more of a fun film. And it's the kind of film you love that definitely is one that you want to revisit because it plays more with emotion and sentimentality uh, than it does with kind of hard questions and, and serious. A lot of the serious stuff is, is you know, they, they kind of dance around it a bit. And I'm okay with that because I don't think, I think they were going for more for a fun nostalgia piece than anything. Yeah. Wow. Phil, Phil Kaufman's <clears throat> really, really getting up there in years. 1936 he was born. I didn't really think Phil Kaufman was that old. So he's almost 80, right? What's he, 78? Jeez. Is that right? I guess so. I, 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 right I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't done my math, but man, 
I didn't know. I, I, you know, I'm getting older too, so I can't say anything. I want to say that's 80. I want to say he'll be 80 in two years. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, but both this and the Warriors were based on novels, and in fact, both our films this week are based on novels. We should say, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Kayla and she's great in this, and, and yeah, we talked about the soundtrack. But I was going to say, I don't think this has had a Blu-ray release, and it could be one of those films that because of all these iconic songs that might not get a blue release because that music's uh, expensive to license, right? Well, yeah, and I think also it's going to be one of those things where it's a cult film in a lot of ways, I think. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of cult films aren't seeing Blu-ray release, right? I mean, there there are some labels that are trying to get cult films out on Blu-ray and stuff, but I will be surprised if we ever see The Wanderers on Blue, which would, I mean, I hope we do because I think it's it's a gorgeous film. Yeah, I like the colors, and I think it's it's very pretty. I mean, it looks great on DVD. We should I should say that you know it's totally worth the DVD purchase. I mean, I'm going to buy it. Mm-hmm. So me too. That I mean, that should tell you everything. But I mean, I would like to see it on blue. But if it never makes it to blue, I think the DVD's totally serviceable and and nice. And the film has been well, well, at least it seems like it's been well preserved and well taken care of. And it has that uh, late seventies. Uh, early 80s look to it uh really nice well lit i can't remember who shot this film oh it was michael chapman michael chapman who shot uh taxi driver and raging yeah Bull. well there you go right mm-hmm. new york guy i think yep. um but yeah i mean there's a lot of pedigree to this film and and the cast are all pretty capable you know erlin van lith who sadly he died young man he was like he was my age he was 34 when he died yeah, yeah, Erland uh, was in a lot of films of my youth. I mean, he was in uh, he was Dynamo for those who love The Running Man. Yeah, that's right. And you know, just a piece of trivia because I, I looked up Erland Van Lith once uh, once I'd seen it um, again because you know I hadn't really looked up Erland Van Lith the first time I'd seen it. Um, he was like he was quite the man. I mean, he went to MIT. He came over from from Holland's. He went to MIT. He had like a some uh, you know business on the side. He was a trained opera singer, which yeah. is, I mean, Dynamo, right? I mean, you know, so he was really sad. He left behind a wife and kids. I think at least kid, maybe kids plural, but um, that's too bad, man. Erlen Van Lith died young. He was he was a big dude, and he had a lot of character, and you could yeah, he was he was he's a lot of fun in the film as the yeah. leader terror. Yeah, terror. It's Come almost on, like a master terror. blaster thing with Kay Lenz. Yeah, I love the terror. I love the title. I love his name. I love the way he looks and. That's the one thing about Erlen Van Lith. He uh, he he had this look. Not only was he a big man and uh, a heavy man, but he he had a great face and uh, he just had a look. Right, he just had a cinematic look. And uh, for those that don't know what he looks like, picture King Kong Bundy. <laughs> yeah, 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 like one of those big guys like that. And he uh, he would sing in just about every film he was in. I remember he was in uh, Stir Crazy, I think, with uh, Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder, and he sang in that as well. Yeah, it's too bad, man. Really too bad. Um, but this is great because it looks at New York in a time, you know, very like ethnic neighborhoods, you know, the Italians with the Italians, the blacks with the blacks. And they even have the thing when the guys get through the school, when they're introducing them, it's almost like the, the big meetup, um, in the Bronx, uh, is it the Bronx, it's just the Bronx with the Gramercy Riffs and Warriors where, where Cyrus is going, look, you have this gang with this gang, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and you see them kind of talking about this gang and the the Chang is it the Changs, or the Chang or the Wangs? Is it? I can't even remember. The Chang brothers or the Chang boys did, or did I say Fordham was in? Is Fordham in New Jersey or is it in the Bronx? I thought. Well, I knew it was either New Jersey or New York. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm confused. 
our New York listeners let us know, our Upper East Coast Wong. Listeners. I said Chang. I feel like such an asshole. I said Chang. <laughs> Chang is going, it was the Wong boys or yeah, the Wong brothers. The Wongs. All named Wong. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is anyway. very, This is very much an era where people are segregated by race. Well, they were. And there's a lot of that thing you'd get in 80s, um, in the 80s and late 70s films where there's this casual, socially acceptable racism where the N-word was used a lot. Even with people like you you worked with and, and like in like movie like Hardcore that we cover with Schrader. Yeah, yeah. Or by Schrader. There's this, uh, you know, the blacks were calling the whites this and the Chinese were calling this that. And, the you know, everyone was calling everyone racial slurs. It was a time when it was just kind of casual and accepted, which still blows the mind. But yeah. Which is another film know. Michael Chapman shot, Hardcore. <laughs> there you go. Did I say Hardcore? I meant to say Blue Collar. Well, either way. I don't think he either shot way. that, but maybe he did. <laughs> Yeah. Blue collar though with, you know, but the thing is it, it was that transitional phase between everyone being separate to living together, but openly bemoaning certain things about certain races to then realizing that it's pretty shitty to, to be that way. Let's, let's change things. But, yeah. um, but yeah, you get the ethnic neighborhoods, which is always fun to see in the films at this time. And I got to say, man, <clears throat> an interesting character in this that, you know, you and I both, uh, uh, you know, can say he's very GGTMC is, is Emilio, Joey's dad. Yeah, yeah. Great yeah. mustache. He's built like a, just, a, a, just a tank of a man. Impeccable hair. But it's weird. His character is so strange because he is such a piece of shit in this film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a total scumbag. I mean, he's so GGTMC in so many ways, cinematically, uh, not moral. Well, maybe oh, morally in some ways. He is such a dirtbag, man. <laughs> but, but he is a scumbag. And uh, William Andrews, who played him, I always thought he did more work. So Same here, man. But His uh, face looks more familiar than the body of work he has. Well, I remember, the co- I remember he played a cop, I think, in Saturday Night Fever. That's what I remember him from. And I remember him in the <clears> Jim, <throat> Jim, uh, underseen Jimmy Conn film, the, uh, the Gambler from 74. Which uh, which is one I've always meant to see. I've never seen. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. And yeah, uh, yeah but he didn't do a whole lot of stuff. But he did. He did have a look. And uh, yeah, but he is a piece of shit in this film. He really is. Oh, he's such a piece of shit in this film. And I have to wonder if that comes from a personal place, from either the the writer of the book or mm. from Kaufman, people that Kaufman work with adapting the film, because it seems very much like a specific thing to make him such a dirtbag and not just like a fringe character. Right. Um. But he's pretty amazing. At least visually, he's amazing in the film. Yeah. Um, I like the way he, of, I like the way he talks too. You know why you draw these freaks? Yeah, he he's clearly yeah he's, he keeps his mouth mostly closed yeah. when he speaks. He's he's uh, something else. But there's a lot of unibrows in this film. <laughs> yeah. This was the era when a handsome man. It was socially acceptable for him to have a unibrow. Like Ken Wall has one. Uh, Tony Ganios has one. Yeah, yeah, I think some of the uh, the Glosso brothers have one. Oh yeah, yeah some yeah, of the, the Glossos. Love uh, uh, love Dolph Sweet as the uh, the lead Glosso brother. So, oh yeah, he's good. He is. He's he's a lot of fun. I, you know, I don't think he was Italian. So, probably a New York guy though. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was New York City. Yeah. yeah, he was a New York guy, and he, of course, I remember him from Give Me a Break when I was a kid watching uh, Nell Carter and. He was the dad on that show, but uh, he's been in a lot of films, and he was in a lot of films, and uh, he's got a great look. He's got this kind of heavy face, and just a very, very angular, tough guy face. Yeah, he totally does. Totally does. 
but uh, it's great. You know, they're in the classroom and the teacher's trying to highlight that, you know, we're all different, but we're all the same. And you know, it's like, well, how many Italians do we have? How many Jewish do we have? How many blacks do we have? And it's kind of a good scene. Um, but uh, yeah, the film really, it's very loud and very energetic, but I think that is in line with with the characters. I mean, the characters are very loud and energetic and young. That's kind of what it is to be young, to be that yeah. age, 16, 18. Yeah. You know, it's really what it is. Well, I think, you know? Uh, you know, it's funny. I used to hate the turkey character. Oh, I still do, man. Yeah. I mean, well, he is obnoxious. He's, he's a bit tragic, but he's such a piece of shit because he does, he does... He commits the ultimate crime. He fucks his friends. Yeah, and he does some. You know, there's the. He, but he, but he, interestingly, this time watching it, I just I found that I had some sympathy for Turkey because I never realized there's a scene in this with Turkey and a oh. ducky boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I never realized the the underlying tone of that scene. And I feel like such yeah. a dumbass now in retrospect. Oh, uh, but you would have been young and not really known. Yeah, but I mean, I've seen it since. But I mean, it's just one of those things where I never really paid attention to that because I never really saw that. So I found some sympathy with Turkey this time because he's this character that obviously doesn't know what he wants to be or what he yeah. wants to do. And he does some really stupid things, and he's very obnoxious and loud, like a character who would be confused would be, right? I mean, he would be obnoxious and loud to kind of hide the fact that he doesn't really know what he is. Yep. Um, I do. I do. do still find him irritating. And that actor, it's very interesting. I see that actor like in TV shows playing like uh, medical examiners and everything. He looks nothing like that now. That's amazing. But uh, he still pops up in work every now and then. I see him and I always think of Turkey because it's such a seminal role for him because it's, he really is very loud and brash and out of control in the film. And, and still, like I said, obnoxious in a lot of ways. But it was interesting because I I never really saw Turkey in a in a kind of sympathetic light before this time watching it. So that was that was an interesting experience for me. Yeah, but he's like I said, he commits that cardinal sin of, of yeah, fucking yeah. your friends over, man, in a big way. And yeah, he he's a Passaic, New Jersey guy. Isn't that where Rutgers University is? I want to say it's in Passaic. Uh, it might be. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, but uh, yeah, but he's he's an interesting character. There's that that one scene. Well, my actually my next note was Turkey. What a motherfucker! <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I love this is the time. There's no guns. There's no knives. And they even say that, like, we're going to rumble, but there's going to be no guns, no knives, and yeah. much more innocent time, right? Well, that that gets into one of my favorite things about this film is, uh, my favorite things about this film is this is, like, right before the turn of an era, right? This is... Well, this film deals with that. Mm -hmm. It does. The end of an era, and people... See, it's an, the end of an era on a big scale, on a large scale, but it's also the end of an era for these kids because these kids' youth and innocence is ending as this era is ending. And the, the era and the innocence are ushered out by Bob Dylan's Times Are Changing, right? Yeah. Or times Are Changing, whatever yep. it's called. So, um, which is a kind of a nice nice little piece in this film, as, as on the nose as maybe it feels in well, hindsight. It, it, I quite it, like it. It talks. It shows the uh, Kennedy assassination as well. So, which I got chills seeing it in the film, i got to be honest. Yeah, and that's obviously a game changer <laughs> in culture as well. So it, it kind of deals with that stuff and how things are changing because there was something about early violence and these rumbles and these gangs that maybe in retrospect it does seem very innocent. I mean, maybe at the time it was still violence and still kind of nasty and people got their asses kicked and pounded, but there is something when you look back on this era about because of where gang violence is now. Gang violence now is fucking assault weapons and bazookas and shit. It's, it's insane. <laughs> if you're making Italian Miami-based films, it's fucking you know, net guns and 
and uh, just insanity. But uh, still, Hawaiian church though, and uh, oh yeah, <laughs> but it but it, it really escalated and still is escalating to a to a super high, hyper violent degree. Whereas back then it was, hey, let's set a date for a fight, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is insane when you think about it. I think about you know setting up a rumble, quote unquote, and uh, you know setting up a fight is just. It's insane making an appointment for violence. <laughs> yeah, it's there's a cordial kind of the civil way about it too. Like we're going to be here, and we can't be late, and you know it's uh, yeah different era certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's bowling alleys, and of course, if there's ever a bowling alley in a film, it falls in line with the uh, the swimming pool corollary, which is. In swimming pools, if there's a swimming pool in a film, someone will fall in. And if there's a bowling alley, someone will go down the bowling alley and into the pins. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, such a silly convention. So silly. Oh, man. Uh, the, uh, you, know, you know what I've realized this time around? I'm, and actually, no, this is not this time around, but the last time I watched it, too. Every time I watch the bowling alley scene when they talk to the hustlers, I always yeah. think that the Beastie Boys and Spike Jones must have saw those hustlers and when they did the sabotage video. Because every time I think about those hustlers, <laughs> I think about the sabotage video. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> That's very true, man. Um, I love how uh, with this from there's a great scene with breasts. Yeah, yeah, a great tit scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, tits are very important for teenage boys. I mean, uh, let's just let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And they get this technique they use, and <laughs> pretty uh, pretty important for this 41 year old man. I'm talking right. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. That's right. Pretty important for loaf. It's a tit man. Yeah, he is a tit man. Um, there's a very insular feel because it's it's all about neighborhood, right? So I, I kind of like that it, it feels like they're on an island. Like their whole reality kind of exists in this island because it's an ethnic community where right, 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 you would right. shop there, you'd be there, everyone you'd know would be there. There'd be urban myths surrounding the people in that neighborhood. Which is why I think the Kennedy thing is so important because the yes. Kennedy thing was the era of television and it kind of made right. the world a smaller place, right? Absolutely. Well, a smaller place... Um, but also a bigger place than outside your your right. your bubble or your right. your your block. Right, right, right. Um, I love when I got to say Karen Allen's someone I've never really found attractive. Um, oh, you're gonna you're gonna tell me she's cute in this, aren't you? She's kind of cute in this. She's kind of cute in this. Well, but I, I don't really find her attractive. I don't either. But I, I got to say, this is the one <laughs> film of hers that she's in. This one and in Animal House, I found her cute. Yeah, uh, I don't find her uh, naturally appealing either, but. I do like the way she kind of looks at uh, uh, Richie in this kind of uh, deer in headlights way, where she's so obsessed mm-hmm. with him and stuff. I really do like that. Yeah, no, but she's she's good in this, and it's great when they first meet. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's a kind of a nice kind of it's it's a kind of witty, charming, make cute scene. But she says to him, "Do you tell your friends everything?" And he goes, "No, just the dirty parts." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just yeah. the timing in that moment is is really great. Um, but yeah, the doo-wop stuff, and it's it's really great. And um, I, I like that this film isn't just a film about gangs; it's about living and life and youth and and uh, you know memory of your youth and how we don't realize how fleeting a moment that is. Um, yeah, you know, and, and some of the, the realizations from these characters, especially uh, Ken Wall's character, uh, you know, uh, near the back end of the film. And I always feel like Ken Wall when I see him in young films like this. He reminds me of Clive Owen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Getting a lot of, Ken Wall is getting a lot of comparison today, and I never really thought about that. I always thought he was kind of unique, but he does have a little bit of a Clive Owen thing going, and 
And uh, what was the other actor we compared to? Mickey Rourke. Yeah. In, ter- in terms of look, but in terms of the, his, the way he carries himself, and this kind of role would be like a Mickey Rourke diner type role. Yeah, good looking bad boy, right? So. Or, or even, uh, and even early on, they kind of frame Perry like, um, like early on, almost like a mysterious, like motorcycle boy, Mickey Rourke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, this kind of mythic guy, but uh, he's certainly not as, um, you know, perfect as that character in terms of people's perception of him. Um, the black baldy had a great kind of Zubazzy shirt in this. <laughs> I love, I love the reveal of uh, the black baldy. Uh, Richard, oh, I think yeah. his name is Richard, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Because uh, I love that Turkey goes up and is, or somebody's going up and saying, you know, they're using the N word. And yeah. then uh, Erlen Van Lith's character, Tara, is like, have you, oh, his name's Roger. He goes, you guys meet, met Roger? Yeah. <laughs> and and he, Roger, like, palms like a basketball. He palms dude's head. Yeah, and they make, like, a squeaky noise. They make, like, a squeaky noise. Like, it's like, like he's squeezing a ball or something. But yeah. I love a lot of the uh, the way the way that uh, Erlen Van Lith talks. It's, it cracks me up. You guys have met Roger? It's great. He, and I love, I think I may have said it earlier, but him and Linda Mann's, like, he's not as, they kind of feel like a master blaster type thing. Oh, yeah. There is a gross scene, though, of them, too. Well, there is a gross scene of them kissing, but I looked it up because he is such a large man and she is such a tiny woman. And I was like, oh, man, she looks like she's about 12. <laughs> and he's just a beast of a man. But luckily, at the time, I did the math because I had to make sure in my own head I felt okay with it. And that at the time, she was uh, he was 25 and she was 18. So it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, she always looked as- younger than she was, right? Way younger. She always looked like she was about 13, 14, man. Yeah, and she she always <clears throat> did... Very complicated roles. Yeah, for a yeah, absolutely she did, absolutely she did. Um, I, I actually I won't spend too much time on it because we're running short on time. But man, I gotta tell you, it sucks to lose bad in strip poker. <laughs> it does. Luckily, I never really have, but I, one of my best friends always lost terribly in strip poker. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, so he was yeah he got he was embarrassed a lot, uh, but. Uh, what else uh, do we got here? Do, 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 do. Man, okay, I'll, I'll just skip that. There's so many choke slams in this film, too. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of choking going on in this film, isn't yeah, there? A lot of choking, man. Um, I love the the African American football team, and they got amazing cheerleaders, and they come out to uh, shout, and yeah. you know Ken Forey's on this a young leather jacketed Ken Forey's on the sidelines rooting them on, yeah. and looks like he brought that same. Uh, 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 wardrobe to Lords of Salem, actually. <laughs> Dude, that is the Lords of Salem jacket. I know, it's what it looks like, Absolutely. doesn't it? <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I gotta say, man, like, the African-American gang is wearing purple jerseys, but I'm, I'm not a Viking. I hate the Vikings being a Packer guy, so I, I don't like purple naturally, but they had pink glitter on the shoulders of those things. <laughs> it was pretty It was pretty outstanding, yeah, I have to agree. Yeah. But then the Wanderers, man, like their, their helmets didn't match. Half of them were wearing jeans on the field, the refs yeah. in jeans. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. Well, it's, but, kind of, it's kind of a weird thing anyway, like these neighborhood football games. I wonder if that was a thing, like these ethnic neighborhood football games. Yeah. No, it's crazy. But then the Ducky Boys, you know, they come back, and they're kind of like the Gramercy riffs. There's like you know, 20,000 hardcore <laughs> members. Yeah. Well, what and, uh, I, what I like about the Ducky Boys is they're kind of like they're like omnipotent, like they're everywhere, and uh, they're much like folklore too, in a way. Yeah, and they come and they go, and they're dangerous, yeah. and it's almost like uh, they're almost like a natural disaster. Like they have to happen, and it, it doesn't make any sense, and they're awful, some of them, and and stuff. But they 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 just 
they'll pop up out of nowhere and people just kind of pop in their way, you know, and it's, 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 it's an interesting way that Kaufman uh, treats them. I guess it goes back to that, that mythical quote unquote, nobody really knew if they ever saw the ducky boys or not, that maybe they're, maybe they weren't a real gang. Maybe they were just talked about. I don't feel like they're explained enough though, but natural disasters, wasn't that a, a WWF tag team? Yeah. Earthquake and Typhoon? <laughs> that was, it was, it was me and Zom. <laughs> That's right, man. That's amazing. Uh, I like the Chinese gang in this, man. I thought they looked cool. Yeah, the Wongs are great. They're great, man. I they wish, don't, I wish they don't I get wish enough time in here. A little more screen time. Like yeah. you could almost make this a mini series and a couple episodes focus on the Black Gang and the Chinese Gang. And I kind of like I liked them. I thought they were cool. Um, what else? Uh, almost done here. Uh, brr, 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 brr. Oh, what else do we got? Uh, oh, there's a great line from uh, Ken Wall's girlfriend's dad. They give him a gift near the back end of the film and. And his line, he says, you know, after he says about that gift, he says, once you, <laughs> such an of the timeline, once you marry my daughter, you'll never wash another dish again in your whole life. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, they imply that the Colosso brothers have connections. Yeah, they certainly do. <laughs> they certainly do. Um, Those guys definitely like the pasta. Those are a heavy set, heavy set uh, bunch of brothers, man. They're all big dudes. I, I love at the end sort of we see, and that's that thing we talked about with, you don't realize at the time, but friends start to go their own way, and you're just—it's just a moment in time. Your youth, and I, again, I really like that. It kind of Ken Wall's character has that realization again as Bob Dylan plays at the end, and yeah, just just good fun, uh, you know, to revisit. Well, what I like about that scene a lot is I like that the Karen Allen character is going in to see this this folk singer moment, and times are a changing, quote unquote. Uh, I like that uh, Waller's uh, Waller. Ken, not, not ooh, Ken, he's in the corner doing yeah, something. Yeah, not the Ken Waller. Ken Wall. Uh, ooh. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, right there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I like that uh, he goes back, and it says a lot about the, the Wall character. Like, he's going to be kind of stuck in his time because he's That's- made a decision, and he goes back, and they're singing the old classic song again. They're you know celebrating what it is to be in this neighborhood, whereas the uh, the Joey character and the Perry character are going to try to change things. Well, I mean, obviously their circumstances lead them to this change, but they're going to go to you know the West Coast and just change things and and get away. and And I think you know the Wall character, he's going through these emotional moments of you know some people are changing and stuff, but he's made his decision. He's made his bed. He's got to lie in a little bit and stuff. And there's there's some good and bad with that, obviously, but. Uh, I kind of like the fact that, and admire the fact that he's going to be a stand-up guy, right? So, oh yeah, and stick around because of uh, impregnating essentially uh, the uh, Chubby's Despy, the Despy Galasso, which is a great man. It's such a great New York, New Jersey type name, Despy Galasso. Yeah, totally, man. Uh, Tony Kalem, the character. I always thought she was hot when I was younger. Is that she weird? She's cute. She yeah. was cute. No, I like her. Man, chewing her gum with her New York accent. Oh fuck yeah, that gum chewing thing. God, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to know I'm not the only one. She was on The Sopranos. She played uh, uh, Angie uh, Bumpas, Bump and Sierra or something like that. I can't remember. But she was on there, and I remember thinking, God, I loved her when in The Wanderers. Uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Was that all your notes? Those are all my notes. I just found out something very sad, man. Dwayne Shinsius died in 2012. Ooh. Fuck, know. man. What, do you, what, what did you say what he died of? Leukemia. Ooh. A rare form of leukemia. Uh, he was... Uh, 44 years old. Fuck. Yeah. Scary Very stuff, sad. man. Um, 
yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to add. I mean, I, I think what I, what I liked about watching this film this time was the it, it, it feels like this epic tale uh, told in this uh, like with these gangs, and I like that it, it shows the changing cultures mm-hmm. and what's coming on and and what's beginning to change for these these characters. Not only are they changing because they're getting older and out of high school and and making these adult choices uh, and 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 decisions, but I, I like that uh, the society's changing with that as well because it's never really stated. I don't think if Karen Allen's character is in school. I think she, to me, I always get the vibe she was a little bit older, like yeah. two or three years older. Yeah, that's when I always get the vibe, too. Like, she is fresh out of high school, whereas Ken Wall's character is kind of getting ready to get out of high school and stuff. I got to say, it's a real dick move on Ken Wall's part, Richie's part at the party, man. That's a real Wow, d- that is a real dick move, man. <laughs> and it absolutely is, man. He fucks over his friend in a yeah. big way. Yeah. And not, so, only, yeah. not just that, but his girlfriend as well. I mean, he's just a total fucking cunt. And- he is a cunt. But you know what? That's part of youth. I think at the time, oh, yeah, I can yeah, tell yeah. you, yeah. speaking candidly, I dated a girl real serious in high school. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful girl. The most intelligent girl, uh, just one of the most intelligent people I ever met. Political science major. And uh, I cheated on her. And she walked into me cheating on her. Ooh. This was in high school. Okay. Ouch. Like grade 12 year. And uh, you were trying to be Ronnie Cycli, obviously. I was trying to be Ronnie Cycli, man. <laughs> Absolutely. It was, I'll never forget. It was on Canada Day, which is July 1st. Every Canada Day, I think about that. Now, in the grand scheme of things, that was a good thing to happen to me because yeah. when I saw that look on her face, it personified um, the action that I was partaking in. Right, right. And from that moment on, when I was about 17, 18, I never cheated on a girl again. Mm. So. Grand scheme of things, it was good, but it's the thing. Wall's character needs to grow up, and at that time, he doesn't realize the emotional impact yeah. of what he's doing. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. But he did. That's a real cocksucker move, man. That's rule number one. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a total cocksucker move, man. It is. It's like when I walked in on uh, Loaf and Zom, and I realized they were going to be in a podcast together after that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the... Uh, I think that, like I said, the Ducky Boy thing is this omnipotent force, but I also think that they're kind of there, and this is maybe me looking into the story too much, but I like that the Ducky Boys are there for kind of like all these other gangs to kind of realize their differences and kind of make amends to that. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Because you get the Ken Wall character who really, it seems like he really doesn't like the separation of the gang mentality. Like he likes... Uh, I don't know what the Wong leader. He likes that guy. He likes, he likes uh, Clinton. Clinton, the black guy. Yeah, yeah. Teddy Wong. Teddy Wong. Teddy yeah. Wong. Yeah, got a great real name. Dion Albanese. It's the only. Yeah, he's film, got an Italian name, man. Only film he ever made. What if he was Italian Chinese? He must have been with a name like that. But yeah, but uh, I, I like that he uh, that he and you know and like invites him to stay at his uh, party and stuff. And the the, the Kenwall characters. He's moving on. It seems like he's really tired of the separation by by ethnic background and wanting yep. to kind of, you know, be, you know, friends with these guys, these guys he grew up with and stuff and make those differences. And I think the Ducky Boy thing kind of opens that up. It kind of opens it up a little bit because obviously the Ducky Boys, you can say a lot about them. They, 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 they're mythical. Uh, another thing you notice is they're all white completely. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, not, the gangs are segregated anyway, but, I mean, they're very much, you know, white, uh, crew-cut you know, dirty at you know clean cut. You can get a lot of like like a racism angle from there, like an elitism, almost like a white power angle from that. If you really want to look that deep, but 
Maybe not. I don't know. I, I do think it's strange that the Ducky Boys actually have a statue of the Ducky Boy outside their church. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is gang power right there, man, when you get your yeah. own statue. For real, man. <laughs> That's why I'm trying to get this drawing made of us in the Newsboy hats. I want to get a statue made of us back-to-back with the Newsboy hats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I should have mentioned the peacoats. Anyway. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> but no, I, I really, I, this movie makes me smile, and yet it makes me, it makes me a bit, it's it's almost got like a bittersweet taste to it, and it, it really is all over the place emotionally and and, and tonally, and I, I think that's why it stands out. Uh, obviously, I prefer The Warriors, I know you do, to this, if you're going to compare the two, but I think this and The Warriors are really kind of a great uh, combo of this era of uh, film and kind of a look at this. Obviously, The Warriors is more of a a 70s-based gang. This is actually looking back, you know, a decade before. But uh, I think the two two films go well together. Like, these are, you know, two great tastes that go good together, right? Peanut butter and chocolate. Oh, the the greatest taste. Yeah, so I think that these two, you know, they go very well together. And I know... Um, I know why Randy likes it so much because um, we, I think we've kind of talked about it in passing and stuff. She's like Olympia Dukakis is also in this film playing Joey's mom. She plays mom. Joey's mom. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Very small role, but you can tell she's a very tired character and mm-hmm. and you see the way she's treated and stuff by the uh, the William, <laughs> the William, whatever his name is, William Andrews character. It's it's very interesting. Very interesting. Man, what a, what a bummer of a morning for me to digress here. I can't remember how... Oh, I told you about Dwayne Shinsius, right? Yes. So, you know, when you search on Google and it tells you other things, other people also look for. So, uh, you remember Malik Seeley, speaking of Big East basketball, St. John's guy? Yeah. So, I, I see this is oh, Malik Seeley, and it shows a picture of some Chinese dude or some Asian man mm. with a mustache. I'm, I sort of chuckled to myself, thinking, oh, that's odd. It's not Malik Seeley. But I just looked into it, man, and Malik Seeley was killed in an automobile accident in 2000. I don't know how I didn't know that. Yeah, it seems like I would have known that too. But Yeah, man, he was a good player, man. St. John's guy, yeah. he was killed by a drunk driver this Asian, man. Perhaps he was Vietnamese or something, but, um, man, i got to stop looking at basketball players from my youth today. What a downer of a morning this is. Yeah, really. All right, that's all my thoughts on uh, on the Wanderers. But yeah, like I said, I really love that it kind of tackles that end of our era mentality, and there's kind of like this bittersweetness, but yet optimistic kind of feel to the film that I really really enjoy. So yeah, let's hear what your uh, Make or Breaks MVTs are. Tough thing to pick. Um, oh yeah, to pick to pick anything here. It's uh, oh man. I guess I'm going to go with like the school, the first school scene when we see all the gangs and we kind of see the teacher highlighting their differences, but trying to show them that they're all the same, but they don't want to listen because they're young and loud and know it all. Yeah, that, that room, I, that room is full of testosterone, bro. That room is full, man. There's not a girl in the classroom. It's like an all boys school. Yeah, I think, but um, it's not necessarily certainly the best scene in the film. But I guess I liked it. It made me smile looking at everyone kind of being loud and you're very proud of where you're from, and you know, it's uh, it's a good scene. Um, MVT is the the era that this takes place in and the innocence of that era. I, I love seeing this era on film and the music, which we've heard all these songs a million times, but to see them in the moment with the the the, the era that they, they were they came out in, it's it's really something special. Yeah. So that is yeah, the yeah. most valuable thing. And uh, my score for the film is a seven point seven five. Um, this is a very good film, man, and it's one that 
it's more rewatchable than even its score indicates. Like this is one that's a feel good kind of film. You could watch it, you know, once every year, once every couple of years, and and enjoy it. It's it's a really fun feel good film. Nice. Uh, my make a break. I'm going to go with the finale of the football game. I really like that scene. Uh, I like the kind of coming together of the characters, and I also like, uh, well. There's a very pivotal moment between Joey and his dad that shows a lot of what's going on, and I don't know that it's always haunted me that scene. So I've always yeah, liked it's, that it's scene. really sad. Yeah, it is. Um, my MVT is going to be the cast. I really I, the cast nice. is just great. This film, I love everybody in it. I think everybody's cast very well. A lot of debuts in this film, and uh, a lot of people went on to stuff. And uh, nobody really became a huge star, but everybody kept working pretty much. It seems like so. Uh, I really do like the cast of this film a lot. It's amazing. Uh, I guess Karen Allen, well, I guess she did, uh, what, Indiana Jones, like two years later. So yeah. She did Raiders of the Lost Ark. So she became pretty big. And then, of course, you know, she did some stuff in the 80s and stuff. Then she disappeared for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, my score is a little bit higher than yours, 8 out of 10. I think a lot of that has to do with the nostalgia of watching it because I watched this a sure. lot growing up. I saw this film a lot. This and the Warriors, both. Uh, I watched a lot. It was a cable like staple, big time for me. So uh, they were very important films for my youth, uh, <laughs> to the point to where I thought, you know, when we were kids, it was like, you know, we got to start a gang, man. We got to start a gang in the neighborhood. <laughs> got to protect ourselves. Got to protect our people. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I want to thank Randy for making us finally cover this because uh, it, it is it's it's good stuff. Good stuff. All right, we're going to take a short break and come back and talk about Of Unknown Origin. We'll be back right after this. Hey, all you podcast listeners, here's an update. See here. We know some of that bad brown acid has been going around, but we've got an alternative. See here. Have these headphones here. Throw them on. See here. Movies for your mind. See here. See here podcast. We discuss music-related films once a month. Find us on iTunes or at see here. That's s e e h e a r. dot podbean. dot com. Just relax, listen, and float downstream. See here.
favorites uh, there absolutely man that me you know music from that era always always makes me feel good yeah yeah it does um i've always loved that song i was one of the first songs i learned how to play on guitar oh nice <laughs> and uh yeah i used to sing it a lot when i was a kid and of course you know it, it's not something i'd like sit around and pick and play now but it's it's one of those things that you know i heard it in the movie and i was just like oh fuck i love that song man it's like oldie yeah, but man. a goodie as they say that's right an oldie <clears> but a goodie all right so, Ava Norgen from 1983, uh, and he picked this film, and it is directed by one George P. Cosmatos. Uh, let's get into the plot synopsis. A man who recently completed rebuilding a townhouse becomes obsessed with a rat infestation until it becomes an interspecies duel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this movie. All right. So, I'll, I'll lead on this one. This one sure. is... This one is <laughs> Ooh. Was that was that your phone? Yeah, I thought it was you for a second. I thought you were uh, you were calling your wanderers. <laughs> it's like, come on, Will man, just whistle. I'll show up. So first of all, we should know that the rat is the lapdog of the devil. That's right, and, man. <laughs> and uh, this film is 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 a bizarre one. Um, I seen this film a long time ago. Uh, Will and I kind of talked about the. Uh, the the uh, the VHS cover is very uh, re- re- uh, memorable. Yeah, from it's, our youth. Uh, with the uh, rat claw, tearing through the family portrait. Uh, just very memorable one you saw on the shelves a lot. And uh, I saw it way back when, but I haven't watched it since I saw it way back when. So I've never watched this in a digital format. Let's put it that way. The last time I watched this was in uh, on a VHS tape. Oh, yeah, same here, man. And uh, so it was interesting to revisit this and kind of check it out and see what it was all about. And uh, yeah, this this one's really weird. Uh, Shannon, this is Shannon Tweed's film debut, theatrical film debut. That's right. And uh, Peter Weller's in here playing Bart Hughes. Peter Weller's got some pretty uh, uh, great lines in here, including one point where he calls somebody a boneheaded fart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's got some really great uh, lines, and then he's got some uh, some great dietary habits, which we talked about a little bit. He he likes to pass blue ribbon. He likes to pickle. He likes to sniff bread. Oh, uh, he loves to sniff bread, which is a weird <laughs> and bizarre thing. But yeah, I'll be honest with you. There's times when I get fresh bread out and I sniff it too. It's I love the smell of fresh bread. So smell of fresh bread is fantastic. Yes, it is. Um, so we get the old school cinematic tricks in this. What we basically got is Weller's character. Is a bit of a uh, there's definitely there's definitely a message being told here a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in the rat race, quote unquote. Yeah, he's trying to get a promotion. Uh, he's rebuilt this townhouse, this lovely kind of gorgeous townhouse. Uh, huge, definitely yeah. on the outside, it's gorgeous. I don't know about the inside, but I, I mean, because that could have been a set. But I know the outside because this film was uh, shot in Montreal, I believe. Yep. Uh, the outside looks really nice. Ooh, I got I got to see the Shannon Tweed Red Brown film firing line. I don't think I've ever seen yeah, that. I think I might have seen that actually, like in the past five years. I gotta look. Looks like it might be like a Blue Thunder ripoff or something. <clears throat> anyway, uh, she's a good looking. She's a good looking woman, man. Yeah, she is. She is. Uh, never, never, always, uh, never the greatest actress, but no, I didn't stop her from working. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, she worked a lot in the '80s and uh, early '90s. I mean, she made a lot of films and uh, made a good career for herself. I mean, she's pretty much uh, known as this erotic thriller uh, actress. A lot of, I mean, she was really. 
one of the big, one of the first big straight to video stars, I would say. Yep. Um, of, of that era, that's what I remember most for Cinemax films and straight to video type stuff. Uh, you know, back before I even paid attention who Red Brown was. I mean, I knew who he was, but I didn't really know his significance to cinema yet. That's right. <laughs> but anyway, um, so Weller's character, they end up with this rat problem. He ends up with this rat problem. And it says rat infestation, but this is really a one-on-one duel. This is really is. Weller versus the rat. Ano irato. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so it gets into some interesting stuff. Now, some of the stuff in there is kind of gross. I don't like the wet rat look. Oh, it's so gross with the teeth. I got to say, they get maximum mileage <laughs> yeah. out of the close-ups of the rat. Like, they really make it look yeah. repulsive. Yeah, the wet tail on the glass coffee table. Uh, <laughs> it's really gross in the teeth and the fur being wet. And yeah, have, you, mean, have you ever had a... Me. Yeah, well, they don't bother me either. But have you ever had a vermin problem? Uh, I mean, outside of Touch like... Wood. Never, never had one. Well, here's the, here's an interesting story. Okay, we had when I was a kid. Now I've had you know mice occasionally, uh, which can mice disrupt the whole ecosystem of your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, one mouse will mess up the whole ecosystem of your house because you become obsessed with this mouse. You do. I just, There's a great line about that in this film. Yeah, I just had <clears throat> a mouse problem last summer. The first time in this house, I had had one mouse problem before that in an apartment complex, which got taken care of quickly, but. This one in the house became a big, big fucking problem for me because I got this little boy who's crawling around. He wasn't walking really yet. And, you know, here I am. I got this mouse running around. And every now and then I'll see out of the corner of my eye this, like, shadow, this, like, dart, this quickness. Darting. And it totally disrupts your whole way of thinking. Uh, now, a rat is a totally different problem because a rat is a rather large uh, vermin issue and uh, both of them can cause you know disease and, and problems like that and you don't want them in your house you just don't want them in your house and, and not to say that you can't have a rat for a pet and people like that I understand I'm, I'm not rats don't bother me you know I've had friends that had rats for pets and you know I played with rats and, and mice and all kinds of things my grandmother actually one of my, my mom's mother actually raised mice uh, she raised them oh, for no yeah she raised them for well this is gonna sound awful but she raised them for food for pet stores for you know reptiles but that I means somebody has to right so yeah that's right so she would uh you know t- she had a ton of mice but uh, uh but she kept them in an aquarium out in the garage it's very strange you go out to the garage you see all these <laughs> mice in this aquarium i mean it's like just like mountains of mice you know it's very crazy see that's the kind of thing that if you saw that in a film you'd know it was a v- very specific reference to someone's childhood because you couldn't just concoct that and put yeah. it in a script mm-hmm. exactly exactly but if you've ever had a vermin issue, it does it does it does completely disrupt your life. And when I was a kid, we actually a rat got into my childhood home. Now it was only in there three days, <clears throat> but those three days were terrifying. I'll say that because here's what terrified me. One time I can remember this distinctly. I can remember this. My brother and I are sitting at the kitchen table. We're eating McDonald's. Okay, this is back in the old days when they had the styrofoam containers. Oh, yeah, Yeah. man. Yeah, and we're sitting there and we're eating our McDonald's. I'm looking towards the hallway. My brother's looking towards me. We're sitting across from each other. We're talking about something, who knows what. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this large mass of fur. And I look down, and I mean, it gives me chills to this day. I look down, and there's this rat. Now, we had a dog. We had a basset hound at the time. And... uh, the dog eventually saw it and chased it underneath the fridge. The problem with rats are they're big and they they don't quite bend as well, I think, as a mouse does. They can't get into the tight spots. He ended up getting stuck under there and dying under the fridge. 
We had to pull him out. It was nasty. It was nasty. How he got in the house to this day, we never know. We did. We still don't know. I think he came in from the outdoors. We had one of those storm doors on the front, on the back door, and the bottom of it had been kind of kicked out by you know me and my brother probably playing baseball or playing something. We kind of kicked this little this piece of aluminum out, and so there was this little hole in the storm door. And we used to leave that back door open all the time so the dogs could go in and out, and they would we would it would be easy to let them in and out in the summer. And I think the rat came in through that little hole, and. Uh, got in the house like i said he was only there for a short amount of time but man talk about something that fucked me up forever i could not go to sleep i would lay in bed and i used to let my arm hang off my bed that was yeah, that used yeah. to be my big thing i still do that i still do that actually i usually put a pillow under my arm and let my arm hang off a of bed mm-hmm. but when i knew there was a rat in the house <laughs> that. the idea of dangling fingers Oh yeah, you know, and what rats can do to to uh, and well, they show a lot of close ups of the damage rat can do. So it's just one of those things. It kind of took me back a little bit, you know. So very strange. Um, but this film, obviously, yeah, you got the the metaphor of the rat race. You got the Peter Weller character Bart Hughes trying to make it uh, more money, make a better life for himself and his family. He wants to get out of the townhouse. He wants to move into a nicer place. Um. But his whole life gets disrupted by this rat, and you get this. I can't remember what uh, that character name is. Is it Cleet? Is he the one that? Uh, I can't remember which one it is. It's the the local maintenance man. But anyway, oh, Louis Delgrand, Cleet, who, as I said, I've seen him. He is the dude whose head explodes in scanners. Yes, so people will know him. The if, first, the most famous of the head explosions. Yes. <laughs> so if you've seen that film, or if you've seen even a still from that film, you probably know who he is. Uh, character actor and stuff, but he does have a great line. He has a great line in the film where he talks about, you know, you're thinking about him like what half the like 20% of the time, and he's thinking about you 80% of the time, 100% of the time. Yeah, which is that's yeah, a great line. There's a lot of great, I feel like they did a lot of research, although they really um ramp up and make the rat thing fantastical. I feel like some of the conversational stuff that Weller says to some coworkers or that Cleet says, I feel like they did a lot of research in terms of rat history and culture and, and just hit rats as creatures so i, I think that i, I kind of like that stuff i thought it was really well written and well researched yeah and i, I know our, it feels that way yeah it does and i i know our friend uh, brian rupert pupkin i know he's a big fan of this film because he loves the rat movies and uh i can see why i mean this this film is ridiculous in a lot of ways it's 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 a little bit jaws rat jaws a little bit even. yeah it totally is it's it's moby dick and they even have it goes so far as to have oh yeah well they're <laughs> Holding up the Moby Dick book at one point. Yeah, he's slamming the roof for the rats above him. He's slamming it uh, with a Moby Dick book. And, I mean, there's a lot of symbolism in the film. And uh, it's a little ham-handed, but it works. Uh, because I think th- this is a genre movie. This is a pure genre film. Because it's all about uh, this guy and this rat. And as silly as that sounds, and as crazy and fucked up as that sounds, it is that silly and kind of fucked up. And that's what makes it to me like a pure genre film yeah i would agree with you the interesting thing about this film is i remember as a kid not really liking it because i was young and as i see it as an adult this is an interesting beast of a film no pun intended because it's not a horror film it's not i guess it's not really a thriller it's an interesting film that if you're a genre film fan you'll quite like but it kind of defies classification in a lot yeah. of ways yeah the only thing it can remind me of is like you know how some of those bug films aren't gory mm-hmm. like you know like bug movies insect movies you know how like i guess yeah. maybe just close-ups of insects sometimes i mean i don't really like watching close-ups of insects they kind of freak me out a little bit 
Uh, I mean, they don't like terrify me, but I mean, I just, you know, I just, ugh. you know, I don't want to sure, watch sure. that. You know, I don't want to watch that. Uh, I guess the only way you can describe it is it's, you know, this kind of animal attack type film. Yeah, I guess that kind of subgenre would fit into these sort of animal attacks thing. But not, well, not like you said, though, not in a horror type way. No. Uh, because no, there's no death in the film. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is a bit of a horrific moment involving a cat. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Which has which has the worst uh, the worst of the Peter Weller screams in it. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, it's so awful. It's like, he sounds like uh, Erlen Van Lith man as uh, yeah. Dynamo. <laughs> he does, and we should also say that Peter Weller he's not the life of the dinner party. This is not the guy you want to invite to the dinner party. <laughs> oh man, he turns everyone off. It's like way to nail that promotion, Pete. <laughs> He's just repulsing everyone with his rat talk. Yeah, he goes into his. This is before internet. He goes into his before internet. His Wikipedia rat talk. <laughs> yeah, and he really turns everybody off. Yeah, it's like way to nail it, Pete. You're really uh, hitting that there, Bart. Bart the fart. Bart, really, yeah, really nailing it there, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like how you just bring. It's one of those. It's one of these type of films where, and I'm not giving. I don't think this is a spoiler, but you know, he he finds the cat and he brings the cat in. You almost kind of know what's gonna. Take happen. place, but it, that's where some of the silliness, silliness is. This is an in. This is a, almost like a super rat. Yeah, this rat is. is is crafty. He's not just. This rat is doing things on purpose. <laughs> that's right, man. <laughs> which just I fuck with him. which is one of those movie conventions that I just love, and kind of makes this film unique, and it makes all of these type of films unique when an animal does things on purpose because it implies immediately that the rat is sentient, that the rat knows what bothers human beings or is it an unreliable narrator whose whose opinion is that mm. everything is being done to fuck with him but in reality yeah it's just a rat being a rat but we get the sense that the rat's fucking with him yeah because he becomes obsessed and obsession oh yeah always leads to ill judgment in some oh, way yeah. shape or form right i mean you it'll either lead to ill judgment and spending money ill judgment in what you eat Ill judgment and what you do. I mean, you spend your time. Yeah, obsession can always. And there's a great scene in this where uh, his secretary shows up and Weller's fucking all dressed in black. Oh yeah, it's amazing. I love that he goes Rambo. Yeah, he goes Rambo, and then near the end he goes Bronx Warriors. <laughs> but I Not love that. I love the scene with him just standing on or squatting on the staircase holding that bat, and he's like, "Yeah, leave us alone." Yeah. <laughs> there's another scene where somebody yells in the house or she yells to him in the house and you can hear him outside and he's like leave us alone <laughs> and it's just like this insanity you know and it, it is it is apropos that they're showing the moby dick thing because that is basically the the story of moby dick is this one man's obsession and the whale's obsession and these 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 things in our lives that become obsessions and, and alter and take our take us down paths we might not have thought we'd ever go down that's right and i do like the angle that you know they sell the fact that he's rebuilt this townhouse he's put all oh, of this work hand, yeah. painstakingly and then of course he's the one that you know causes the damage not the rat so it's very interesting to me the kind of stuff that's going on and that's what makes it such a it's a it's a, oh, easy now. It's a <laughs> turn that alarm off. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, that, I don't know if that alarm would wake me up or put me back to sleep, man. It's I don't like, like to be. My wife uses like the, like the fucking uh, air raid siren <laughs> yeah, for no. her alarm, and I, I think that's such an appalling way to wake up. <laughs> it is. 
it's just such a rude awakening. Yeah. yeah. So I choose the harp because it's, it eases me into the snooze button like, a few times. It's like you're waking up in the petals of a lily. That's right, man. Absolutely, it does. But, you know, it's uh, yeah. man. I'll tell you, her alarm is just the worst. Yeah. It is. It's terrible. But the film, the film is a silly, fun type of silly. Yeah. Um, easy, easy to make fun of, but at the same time, the earnestness of the of the movie is kind of is kind of fun because of the era it's set in, and I th- I think that's what works. Um. um at one point, though, you know, it does get really silly because you know he's he's training now. Uh, he's uh, he's got, he's got a training regimen down. He's getting down to fight this rat. Of course, it doesn't stop him from sticking his hand into blind corners for uh, uh, with, with bear traps. <laughs> yeah, those aren't mouse traps. Those are, those, are those, bear are, those are bear traps, and that's a pretty brutal one. That's probably about as nasty as the film Ooh, gets. I did cringe at that scene. Oh yeah, yeah. Because if you've ever had a, a mouse trap on your, when we were kids, we would do that as a dare. We would uh, set mouse with traps. Bear trap? Oh, I was going to say no, bear trap. Not with bear traps. There's no. a steel man. No, we only put the bear traps out when we were out in the woods uh, playing, uh, you know, like a Bronson film or something. <laughs> no, I, I always hate bear traps. I hate them in films. I hate them. Period. I just even the setting of bear traps bothers me. Yeah. In films, I just ugh, this is an awful, awful contraption, the bear trap. Uh, anyway, um, the uh, we would we would set these uh, traps, and uh, then we'd say, "Oh man, you, you won't stick your hand in there. You're a chicken shit," you know. And of course, a mouse trap will what it'll do is it'll pinch your fingers, it'll bruise them, but it won't you know do anything worse than that. And uh, so we do that. And of course, and of course, the snap is what you're most fearful of. Because uh, it is a pretty intense snap. It, I mean, it hurts. It doesn't. It doesn't feel good. But you know, when you're a kid, you do stupid shit. You know, so that was one of our stupid dare things. You know, I dare you to do this. Oh, <laughs> dare you to stick your tongue on this pole? And like, Ooh. oh, which pole? Which pole? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, also, we should say though, uh, Cosmatos did get the memo. Uh, Italian cinema. The J and B is prevalent in of an oh, origin. Yeah. There's a great scene of. Uh, um, Weller chugging it in the bathtub, fully clothed. Uh, yeah, fully clothed bathtub. That, that that bothers me too. That I don't know. That's a personal thing too. I do not like getting soaking wet with clothes on. I hate it. <laughs> it's an awful feeling. I don't ever want to fall in a pool. Yeah, with, doesn't he have jeans on? He has jeans, and he has a fucking sweater on. Oh, it's the worst. Who who would do that? I guess if your hand got caught in that bear trap, maybe you would. But I don't know. Oh, it, yeah, it's pretty awful, man. But I like the I like the kind of uh, the kind of dichotomy of the um, the Shannon Tweet character and the son. He's got oh, a very yeah. he's got a very kind of strange relationship with his son. It's almost it's loving, but almost a little standoffish. It's kind of weird. I think it's because he's. I think it's because Weller's a very intense guy in the film. He's a go getter, right? Yeah. But I think he clearly loves his son, loves his wife. Although he does a really again another piece of shit move from our male lead in this film. Yeah. Um. But. Uh, yeah, you get the sun reminded me of the sun from The Shining. Yeah, he did kind of look like that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the uh, I like the kind of way that it shows this kind of like civilized, quote unquote, this upper class civilized world that she's in with her parents or whatever his in laws or whatever that is, and yeah. this kind of insanity that the Bart character is going through. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the kind of way it, I think what you really realize from George George Cosmatos is uh, George P. Cosmatos to say his full name. What you really learned from him, uh, in my opinion, is is he was a very capable genre filmmaker. Absolutely, 
he didn't make a lot of films. I, I know he fell ill, and there was some talk that behind the scenes of Tombstone that Kurt Russell mostly directed that film and that he was just kind of there. I know somebody else was actually attached to Tombstone before him, and he kind of came in and saved the day for that production. So so what? Uh, Kurt Russell may have been involved quite a bit. It was his movie, so that that you're going to tell me that doesn't happen in Hollywood. That happens, happens a, lot. a lot. Yeah, Stallone is notorious for being a kind of a a ghost um a ghost director to most of his stuff. Well, why do people think that Simon West do directed Expendables too? Yeah, they do. They do. They do think that. And maybe he did in some ways <laughs> by like doing some scheduling and stuff, but he probably didn't do much more than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right man. and uh so that you know that's just the way it is and of course you know simon west stallone's a much better director than simon west i should say that as well yeah stallone is good yeah but uh he 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 did make good films he made solid films i mean actually it's Absolutely. funny he did he worked with uh, stallone twice so he probably had he probably knew what it was like to work with an actor that liked to uh because he did first blood part two right after this mm-hmm. and then he did cobra and leviathan so he had a run there of uh, of unknown origin uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2, Cobra, Leviathan, Tombstone. And then uh, he finished off with Shadow Conspiracy. And I think he, unfortunately, he got ill and uh, he passed away at age 64 and stuff. So That's terrible, man. Yeah, I don't know what he passed away from, but I just remember he got ill. and Oh, he had lung cancer. So Jeez. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, and like we we we've talked about it kind of off the scene. You know, he is the the, the father of Panos Cosmatos, who's uh, you know made a debut film, and hopefully we'll get more out of Panos. Uh, he, yeah, good he's a visual filmmaker. Yeah, he's a good visual filmmaker, and I expect uh, we'll we'll probably see a lot of good stuff out of him. But yeah, I mean, Cosmatos doesn't really ever get any. Uh, well, I mean, he gets credit with some of us, but uh, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves because that four film run, film run there is a the, solid, solid run. I, is, I'm a fan. I'm I'm with you, man, a hundred percent. Yeah, I like his films and and. Uh, it's really a shame that he's no longer with us and stuff. And this film is, like I say, it's it's an oddity, but it, it's a fun oddity. And I laughed and had such a good time watching it. And I kind of see Uncle Cat said he kind of watches this as a comedy now. I can see that. It is a little Home Alone in some ways, a little and and silly. And uh, But I think it, it, it's, its silliness comes from its earnestness and its, uh, its honest uh, kind of what it's trying to do. And uh, I kind of like that. I kind of like that it kind of goes there. And that uh, our lead would be RoboCop just a few years later. It's, it's crazy. He can't take down the rat. Well, he, oh, I don't want to give a spoiler away, but he, uh, yeah. Yeah. But that's all my thoughts on of, of Unknown Origin. It's hard to say that. It is. You know, he, he did that film, that Shakedown, which I think in Europe was called Blue Jean Cop. I thought one day we should do the double on the show of Cop and Blue Jeans with Blue Jean Cop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't we do Cop and Blue Jeans? We did do that. Oh, we already did it. That's right. We already yeah. did it. So it's too late for that double. But uh, it's not too late for something. I'm sure we can find another film with Blue Jeans in the title. Yeah, that's right, man. Um, but um, yeah, this film. So um, again, I don't think this film has a blue. Both of our films this week don't have blue releases, it looks like. Nope. does have uh, a DVD. does have a DVD, which looks good. You know, um, Weller... Um, I got to say, the cast is very Canadian. Lawrence Dane, who's been on our show before mm. uh, in Rituals, uh, as Mitzi saying, Harry, yeah. Harry, Harry. He's great. Jennifer Dale did a lot of TV work here in Canada. Louis Delgram, we talked about. Shannon Tweed, and one of the one of the, the Queen of Newfoundland, it should yeah. be said. Maury Shaken. Maury Shaken, big. You know, he's loved here. And, um, yeah, he's one of my favorite character actors. I love that guy. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, there's a lot of Canadian faces here, even deeper cuts for those that are have a keener eye than me. Um, 
I don't know, I'll get away from some other minutia I was going to mention here, but um, the the I feel like this film was shot on a budget, but I feel like Cosmatos makes the most of his budget. He's masking Montreal, so he shoots a lot of stuff in tight, other than the interiors. Mm, yeah, um, which is you know wise because he sees doesn't have much budget. Now the plumber in this, Louis Grand, what a well, he's he's a bit dodgy because <laughs> like it's like dude goes into the house, gives shitty plumbing advice, sits on the counter. It's like, come on, man. Like, yeah. he's, he's a bit dodgy. He's kind of like the character in Videodrome that uh, James Woods is friends with the cable repair guy. Yeah. Yeah. I like that kind of character. Oh, the Wanderers uh, on DVD, $6. Nice. That's a, that's a steal. That is. Of Unknown Origin, $17. Ooh, uh, I don't know if I'd quite pay that much, but it is worth owning. Uh, there is a, I would buy this. There is a high, not a high definition, but there is a strong DVD transfer of it on YouTube. That's how I watched it. So it looks good. Yeah, no, it does. YouTube, Absolutely. So. Weller is interesting because he doesn't, he's not always likable in this. Yes. You know, he, it's interesting. Well, there's another guy that I feel like. Yeah, he's a bit of a, uh, he's a bit of a, you know, like we said earlier, he's a bit of a cunt. He really is. He's kind of a, he's kind of obsessed with the rat race. And that's where I think that kind of weirdness of his son. I mean, he's, he's a good dad, not a great dad. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. He's another guy that I feel like didn't, he kind of got a push, but didn't quite go over the top, much like Wall. I think he never he never really reached the heights of RoboCop. He kind of got there, and and that was about as high as it ever got. That's right. That's right. And he has he has a look too. Weller has this kind of a I don't know. It's almost like Jimmy Woods. There's almost like a certain sleaziness to him. Not as much as James Woods, but an underlying kind of yeah. You know who I find, especially watching this now and seeing Weller younger again. um, He you know who looks like him a bit is Jeremy Sisto. Yeah, you're right. It kind of sounds like him a bit too. Yeah, yeah. Who I always Sisto, who I always feel like is the long lost son of Eric Bogosian. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, Weller's. I love his voice. Like he does the 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 Batman Dark Knight Returns animated films, which to me are the highlight of the, like the high watermark of animated. I bought those on Blu-ray, by the way. I bought that deluxe edition. Oh man, I gotta get that. How much was that? I only paid fourteen dollars for it. Oh, I gotta get it. That's that's the the the, the benchmark. Yeah, it's, for got, it's, all it's got like an hour and a half documentary on it. It's got all kinds of shit. Definitely worth the purchase. I, I gotta get that done. I, I love that. Yeah, but um, but whether I feel like yeah, he he's not very likable at times in this, which is interesting. But um, that's I think part of the commentary of the film. But I love Louis Tugrand's line when there he his office is in a basement, so he can see people walking by the sidewalk above, and he goes, "Oh, there's Mrs. So and So." Best legs in the building. Look, she cut herself shaving again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bit of a sleazy line, but uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a bear trap and and Weller's. He's a bit quirky. He talks to the stuffed animals in this film, and yeah. <laughs> um, just and again, you know, we talked about the casual racism in the last film, but there's a line when I I want to say it's Maury Chase. No, no, it's Peter Weller's character. He's talking about the deal that he's going to make. And uh, did you know Weller shows up on Sons of Anarchy? Uh, it's not. In, I've only watched two seasons, so I haven't. Oh, well, gotten that far oh sorry then, but you're going to see him show up in yeah. a little arc. That's what that's telling you, man. That's why I like, I like Sons of Anarchy is they really cast like actors that yeah that I miss that I don't get to see much anymore. Very cool. But uh, Weller says I'm talking about the business. How he's going to make it run? He goes, I'm going to bring in the Orientals. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> come uh, on, Weller. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> sounds Weller like talk. sounds like Jake. <laughs> Yeah, that's right, man. He does sound like McLaren's huge. But uh, whether, yeah, he is so repulsive at that like business dinner. He starts talking about rats and how people that eat it call it string chicken. <laughs> it's so gross. And that speech, I have to wonder, because Tarantino has that great rat speech in Inglorious Bastards. I have to wonder if he was 
like riffing on this speech because it's pretty well done in this. Yeah, you know, with Tarantino, I'd almost have to believe it, he probably did riff on this a little bit because yeah. you know, this Absolutely. like this was big during the video era. I mean, this was like me and you said this was a box we saw on the shelves all the time. All the so. time, man. You know what line made me like cover my eyes? It's such a like, ugh, it's so tacky and stupid when Weller's talking to the rap behind the wall and he goes, keep it up. I got friends in Jersey. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Oh, awful. It's, it's terrible. It's awful. This era of Weller, you could almost see if they made American Psycho 20 years earlier, he could have been the Bateman character. Because there's this underlying kind of menace and sleaze to him behind the corporate sheen. Wow. Um, have you seen the cast of this film Weller's in called uh, coming skin out called trade? yeah skin trade? Have you seen the cast of this thing? Uh, yeah, yeah, and the, the trailer's out there, man. The trailer's out there. You can see the trailer. What an amazing cast! Yeah, Ron Perlman, Dolph Lundgren, Michael Jai White, Peter Weller, Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa, Tony Ja, Selena Jade, Selena Jade. Yeah, fuck. Oh, yeah. yeah, Chloe, the Chloe Babcook. <laughs> yeah, Chloe Babcook, man. <laughs> I don't right. know who she is, but I'm I'm down. I'm down. She's down for the bad cook. She's a good-looking woman. Directed by, ready? Yeah. Ikeche Yukur. Is that the guy that did uh, whatchamacallit? Uh, he looks tied to me. Ikeche. Yeah. Did he do uh, No, he didn't do I thought maybe he might have done uh, one of the uh, Tony Jaa films, but he did Ooh, not. Oh, he did Beautiful Boxer. That's a really good film. Yeah. Beautiful he, Boxer is about a, a transgendered um, uh, uh, Thai boxer. That's a really good film. Yeah. Ikeche Yukurotham. I got to tell you, man, as much as I have problems, like some Korean names are okay. I can navigate the waters. Japanese, I can navigate the waters. Chinese, I can navigate the waters. Oh, yeah. Thai, Thai, Thai names Thai. are the most difficult to forget say. About yeah, forget about it. Ooh. Okay. This film might make me a little nervous. Looks like the screen, there's a Dolph Lundgren screenplay credit. Ooh. So. Well, he, I, actually, he's not bad. He's written a fair <laughs> bit of stuff, man. He wrote Missionary Man and a few others. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that's got a good cast. I, I'm down. I'm down. The trailers are out there. I'm going to go watch the trailer. I've actually I've resisted watching the trailer until now. So, yeah. um, I'm going to go- yes. Google it right now. But the Weller Weller's good in the film. He has to do a lot of the lifting. He's on screen most of the film. Um, you know, I got there's a great there's a few dream sequences where Weller is like exhausted and he's at his his wits end as to what to do, and then he'll dream about how his perfect suburban life will be shattered if he doesn't get rid of this rat, if he's complacent, mm-hmm. if he doesn't stay in the rat race or the rat duel in this case. Yeah. But there's a great moment of, of uh, it's like a dream, it's in soft focus, and Shannon Tweed and the kid are sitting there and they're singing happy birthday to the kid, and the fucking rat pops out of the cake. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's so amazing, man. Yeah, the rat attacks in this are so insane. I wonder, <laughs> I, they, they, they did a pretty good job. Like, they got some good mileage from these rats, man. They did. They did. They really did. But uh, I got to ask, man, uh, you know, speaking of rats, you really have to see Mulberry Street. Yeah, I do. I it's do. so good, man. Everyone should see Mulberry Street. It's a really good film. But uh, I got to ask, and I'm being a bit facetious here, but there's a moment when Weller's strutting around the house in baseball cleats. Is that an American thing? Uh, no. That is not. <laughs> man, you got to get those cleats off that hardwood. That is not an American thing. We don't. We do not walk around in our baseball cleats. That's outstanding. As American as baseball is, we just don't wear them randomly in the house. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Weller, he uh, he has more candles in his house than a Dio video. Yes. 
It's so many candles. Uh, Who has that many? No, nobody. But that's that's that cinema thing. Remember what that's I was that talking? That's that cinema thing. Yeah, people when they would light candles, they had, they don't light just one candle. They light no. like a fucking thousand of them. Like who You're carries right. that many white candles around? The only time one candle is lit is when the power goes out and you're looking for someone and you don't know that you're looking for the killer in the film. Exactly. And then the candle gets blown out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jesus, uh, who, who who has that many? I mean, where do you keep that many he candles? Has, honestly, but that's just it. Listen, we all have our half-assed. Uh, <laughs> survival kits with like six candles and you know whatever else but this dude's got like i'm not lying like 80 to 100 candles in his house and you know what man candles are expensive he's got some of those big thick tall candles that are like 60 bucks yeah he's got those shannon tweed bathtub candles (laughs) he's got those shannon tweed bathtub candles man absolutely but uh but weller loses his mind he builds that miniature of his house i don't really understand how that was going to benefit him any but you know i guess i don't know whatever it's just, it, it serves a purpose to get him to put his hand in a bear trap. Um, the uh, he 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 is a hammock, which is great. Um, <laughs> we talked about the Bronx warrior. He looks like a Bronx warrior, um, and he swings. He goes bananas. Like the last 15, 20 minutes are so insane in this film. He goes crazy, and I got to say, to borrow a line from the Uncool Cat, Peter Weller fucking hates drywall. <laughs> He destroys it. He does. Anything ceramic, too. Yeah, anything ceramic. He he decides that he smashes so many fucking water pipes in his basement. It's like, dude, turn off your main shutoff. <laughs> yeah, really? You would have minimized so much damage. <laughs> so much damage in your oh, home. Man. Turn off your main shutoff. Yeah, he's got like a lake underneath there after a while. Oh, man. And he goes bonkers, man. He's jumping on pianos, doing Conan swings with that bat. It's uh, it's wild stuff, and uh, it, they, it's weird because the, the 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 rat they use this kind of gross mix of like a schnauzer and a pig for the sound effects. Oh yeah, it's it's it, it's it's it hurts my ears. Yeah, it does. But I guess it's most meant to be invasive, right? It's supposed to kind of just like him. But yeah, it's it's funny, you know, the co- the the irony of the corporate man being taken down by the lowest of the low. Yeah. Um, but then you know, Tweed is the most amazing wife in the history of cinema. Uh, because the back, the, the final thing in the film, she comes home, and only this is a spoiler, and she walks in the house. Cool as anything. She goes, what happened? He goes, I had a party. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> oh, what happened? Party. Just had what a party. Happened? Just had a party. <laughs> it's a hell of a party. I love it. That's like a fucking weird science party, man. <laughs> yeah, Vernon Wells and Michael Berryman showed up at that party. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't have done as much damage as Weller did with that bat and the rat. It's insane. But those are all my notes. Nice, nice. My make or break for this one is, uh, again, it's the finale. I really like the finale of this one, man, because uh, Weller goes nuts. He goes crazy. And it's like, you know, it's like the Cosmatos told him, hey, look, we you know, we built this set. Uh, this is the last stuff we're going to shoot. Just, just just destroy it, you know? Yeah. That would have been fun, though, to shoot. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it would have. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, destruction is fun. I mean, everybody knows fun. that. Yeah. I mean, well, let's say reckless destruction is fun. Not destruction. Not just destruction. Yeah. Destruction not just, without consequence. Yeah, not just destruction. Yeah. <laughs> um, my MVT for this, this is a first for me. I'm giving my MVT for this to the rat. Nice. Nice. <laughs> the rat is awesome in this. I mean, this is the, one of the smartest animals ever in an animal. And it's shot so. well. It's shot really well without over overreaching so it looks silly. The rat always looks good. Yeah. And he, I can smell the rat when I watch this. Oh, like the, the wet, damp gooiness of the rat. And I, ha- I hated the chewing sound effects. They really disturbed me. It's, it's gross fucking teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. 
Sounded like Loaf giving a rim job. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, God, we love Silver and Gold over here. Yeah, <laughs> we love the rim jobs too. Yeah, we do. That's true. <laughs> like the, <laughs> like blowing in a bottle, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. Of a conch shell. Yeah, playing little jug band music, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do. We don't. We don't call uh, Zom Emmett Otter for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, ooh, that was a little bit of an uncontrollable chuckle for me. And <laughs> we, we we need to bring Orson Welles back. Yeah, yeah, really, we do. I gotta. Get, I'm gonna get a sound clip of that. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Anyway, uh, my score for the film, though. It, the film is, is such an oddity, so I can't go super high, but I can go – I'm going to go 7 out of 10. Nice. I'm going to go 7 out of 10. I, it's fun. It's it's better than than I thought it would be has, on a rewatch. It's better than it has any right to be. Any right to be. It has no right to be entertaining <laughs> in a lot of ways because it's yeah. it's very, very, very silly. And yeah. uh, But I think that's kind of its charm, and I think that's that's why I think it's kind of unique. Uh, like a lot of those rats films, I know this is not the first rat film we've done. You guys actually did a rats film. Yeah. Uh, which one was it? Was Deadly Prey? No, not Deadly uh, Prey. Uh, another Canadian rat film we did actually. Yeah, I can't remember which one it was though. Do you uh, remember Deadly? Was it Deadly Eyes? Deadly Eyes, I think. Was is it, that it? Yeah. Well, Bruno Mattei did a rat movie. That's, I know. I know. What's his name was in it? Um, uh, I can't remember. Was the one you guys uh, did? Was the one you guys did the one with the uh, the wiener dogs dressed up as rats? Yes. 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 yes okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Makes me think of my wiener dog. He's been he's been gone almost a year now. He passed away on my birthday last year. So I thought about my wiener dog the other day. Love those dogs. Um, yeah. So yeah, seven out of ten. What are your thoughts? Nice. Um, yeah, it was Deadly Eyes. Okay. Okay. Do I rub it close? Yeah, the guy that did uh, Enter the Dragon. The Dragon. Yeah, the Dashens were in rat suits. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, because I had what's her name? That hot Canadian actress in Lisa Langlois. Who, uh, yeah, she's dynamite. Anyway, uh, my make or break is also the finale. Um, I could, I, again, this one didn't have really a standout scene necessarily, but the finale is, yeah, because Scat My Crothers was in Deadly Eyes. It just goes so bonkers. And I have to, I really feel like this film moves at a good pace without being insane early on. Like it's well written, well paced, well done. And then the finale happens and it goes insane. But I think we had to have that because Weller needs to lose his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. He's been dealing with this rat for so long and he prides himself as a smart guy. He's a go getter. He can't even defeat a rat. You know, his internal monologue would have been as such. Um, I'm going to go with Cosmatos, man. I think he, he really stretches a dollar. He takes a, a film that has no business being as good as it is and makes it. It's kind of betwixt in between genres, but it works very well. And my, my score is actually a little higher than yours. It's a 7.5 out of 10. Nice. I think this film's really well done um, for what it is, and it's very enjoyable. It's fun, but it's also well written. It's not like, uh, like we said, the rat is shot well. The acting in the film is fine. They make good use of the, the limited budget with sets and stuff and, and um, locations. So it's one that, like, if Shelf Factory someone put this out, I, I would definitely want to buy it. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a fun time, man, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I like. Uh I like the the genreness of it. It's very just very genre, very early '80s genre film. Yeah, it's, it's kind of lovely. All right, so that's the big show. We want to thank uh, Randy and Auntie for uh, picking the films this week. Next week we, uh, well, we know for sure we're doing one more Toys for Tots. We don't know for sure about the other one, but I know we're doing one for sure. Right? Yes. We're doing. Yes. Uh, it's uh, Sean's pick. Good old Sean. 
Uh, it's a film called the, That's the Way of the World, which I've never seen, from 1975, uh, directed by... Um, um, I don't know who it's directed by, but it's it's a it's a Harvey Keitel film with the Earth, Wind, and Fire soundtrack. Yeah, that's all you need to know. So, and believe it or not, this thing is on DVD. It uh, actually got it set up to come from Netflix, so hopefully it'll show up. Yeah, actually, the DVD says the Lost nineteen seventy five feature film. I think that was mostly a Earth, Wind, and Fire film. Yeah, and that Harvey Keitel was just in it for them. Yeah, so, so yeah. Interesting. And, of course, Sean wants us to do Death Promise at some point in time. But don't worry. We'll be doing Death Promise at some point in time. That's the one with the really bad fight scene you saw on YouTube that you wanted. Directed by one Robert Warmflash. What? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Bobby Warmflash. Warmflash? Warm. W-A-R-M. Warmflash. It's even worse. Warm flashes, man. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Warmflash. <laughs> we'll be covering that at some point. Trust me. Um, but yeah, so we know we're doing, uh, that's the way of the world. I'm not exactly sure if we're doing the other one or not, but if not, we'll, 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 we'll slide something in. Hell, maybe we'll yeah. just do death browse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so we'll figure it out. You know what? If we don't do that, let's just plan for that now then. Yeah. We'll just do death promise. What the fuck? If we can't swing the other, the final toys for tots. Cause that has, uh, a gent from across the pond who's going to have to work with scheduling to be with us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, so that is the big show, man. Uh, again, get out there and support Beardos and Badasses on the Kickstarter. And, uh, yeah, we love everybody, and I think it's all I got. I'm sure my, my little Titan's about to wake up. So I'm, uh, I think I'm hearing the stirrings. So <laughs> he's going to be telling me, he's going to be telling me, your time is up. That's what he's going to tell That's me. right. <laughs> I told my wife I'm going to get him to say that into the microphone and use it on the podcast. <laughs> you have to, man. When somebody says something smart, I was like, your time is up. <laughs> All right. All right. So that's all we got. So I'll say adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 